Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? I hope uh, you had a lovely holiday. The uh, We took the Wednesday before Thanksgiving off, but we are back. So excited to be back and so excited to be back with Ed Helms. Huge fan of this man, uh, and it's a wonderful episode. So as I always say, let's get to it as quickly as possible. December 6th, I'm going to be at Largo doing stand-up with friends. Uh, if you'd like that, it's Largo. If you'd like that, it's www.largo-la.com. Hope you can make it to that. Uh, also, our sponsor for this episode is the wonderful Zip Recruiter. Are you hiring? Are, excuse me. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? What if what if hiring could be easier, more streamlined, and less time consuming? So even when you're busy, you could still be smart about the way you hire, right? If you're hiring, you know that quality hires keep your business moving forward, but you also know it can take a lot of time to find the right candidate, right? But with ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. Then ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work, activating, uh, actively, excuse me, <laughs> I get excited, actively notifying qualified candidates about your job within minutes of posting so you'll receive the best possible matches. That's why ZipRecruiter is different, unlike other hiring sites. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates finding you. It finds them. It finds them. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Office, You screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter. And their easy-to-use dashboard. ZipRecruiter, guys, the smartest way to hire. Uh, find out why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all si- sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, weirdos can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free, gratis. Just use ZipRecruiter.com slash homes. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash homes. I don't know why I said zaps. ZipRecruiter.com slash homes. Thank you, ZipRecruiter. And as always, try a Pete's Pick. I just had a little Charlotte's Web hemp oil because I was feeling a little tense, a little headache. Took it about 15 minutes ago. Feeling better already. Feeling wonderful. I take it for aches, pain. I take it for anxiety. Anytime I'm feeling a little tense, ill at ease, I always say middle seat on, a, on an airplane. Take a little Charlotte's Web hemp oil. It's, uh, it's made from the hemp plant, but it does not have uh, a, 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 what's the word, significant? Or uh, it has a negligible amount of THC, meaning it's like 0.01% THC, meaning it's just CBD. CBD is the wonderful, beneficial part of the plant that I like to say gives you a health, healthy, happy glow. A little bit easier to laugh, a little bit more relaxed. It doesn't get you stoned. You can read. You can talk. It's legal in all 50 states. And I suggest you try it. I love it. I swear by it. CWHemp.com slash Weird, use promo code Keep It Crispy for 10% off your purchase. Also, took a bunch of today because I was writing Alpha Brain. It's a nootropic. It's like fish food for your ideas. It's a multivitamin for your noggin. It's earth grown ingredients. It's not like caffeine. It doesn't get you up or feeling jittery. In fact, I take it before bed sometimes because it gives me trippy ass dreams. I take Alpha Brain 15 minutes before I have anything that I have to do that uses monogam, which is a lot of stuff like the podcast, writing a script, uh, an important meeting, stand-up comedy. For the past three years now, I've always had some Alpha Brain on me, and I, I have some in the pocket of the jacket that I'm currently wearing. 
That's how much I love it, and I want the weirdos to try it. So I reached out. That's what makes it a Pete's pick. I reached out to them, said, hey, can we get them a discount? They said, yes. All you got to do is go to onit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird, and use promo code. Uh, no, I'm sorry. No promo code. Ha, I forgot. Promo code. You don't need one. Just go to that website. You'll get 10% off your order of Alpha Brain. That's it, guys. Hope to see you December 6th at Largo. Love when weirdos come out. Uh, try a Pete's Pick. Thank you, Zip Recruiter. Guys, enjoy the wonderful Ed Helms, who I just looked it up. It's December 13th. You can watch him on the fake news with, with Ted Nelms uh, on Comedy Central. Boy, I loved our chat. I hope you do, too. Get into it. Hi, Ed. Me? <laughs> How's it going, man? I'm good. So nice to see you. You too. I'm so yeah, sorry man. I'm running late. No, guys. it's okay. Have a seat. This is the... I'm gonna go... Here? Yeah, this is where I like, but really, some people break. Oh, I got you a coffee. I never get people coffees, but it's uh, it's 9 a.m. Thanks for, the, yeah. I don't know, what, do you have any a normal schedule of how this works? Do I think I, I, would have, I would have said 9 a.m. Okay, or good. did I suggest 10? I'll suggest ten because uh, we, uh, you know, then we'll be done around. And it's my understanding of ninety minutes. Yeah, we can go full. Whatever yeah. you want. Let's, yeah. let's not worry about the time. But if you have a restraint, uh, that's fine. Um, <laughs> I bring it up, and then I go. Let's not worry about it. Ah! No, I, I have. Uh, we're editing my my special right now, and it's for like, what special? Crashing. What flavor special? It's the fake news with Ted Nelms, ah. Comedy Central, one hour, um, like a... No way! Did you ever see... Well, we can we can save it for the cast. Oh, we're recording. Oh, you, oh we are? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like to start with the with the flair of sabotage. <laughs> that's so funny. No, I have no idea. I'm, I'm like cooing at your dog. No, I, I, it's not... It's that scout. That's Katie's dog. Well, she is a... Glorious little hound. Do you have pups? No, I don't love them. You seem like a chocolate lab painting, uh, like a painting <laughs> of a young boy with a chocolate lab, and you go, you know what that boy is? Yeah, Ed Helms. I feel, yeah, maybe uh, <laughs> that, I, I, I really appreciate that. that. Yeah, I, I, I think there's something to that. There's a quality to it. Um, it's a little Americana. It's a little like there's a lake. Are you a dog? Are Am you I a dog? <laughs> Are you a kind you a of dog? dog? Are you, is there a kind of dog that you are? We uh, yes, I sometimes say I'm a golden retriever if it stood up. It's a good, it stood like, up, you like know, because I'm legs. I'm erect. You know what I mean by that? If aroused, <laughs> an aroused golden retriever, <laughs> lipstick out. No, mm-hmm. I just mean years before I had a dog. I would say that I was like a dog because someone said that. Okay, it was old John Mulaney was like. I think he said something mean. He said a golden retriever, and then he gave me some sort of disability or something to, <laughs> to make it like sting. Okay. But uh, uh, but then I took the good hip part. dysplasia. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. a golden retriever with odd pear shaped yeah. hips. Well, they do have that. They have That's the, not really that, a disability. Well, it's a isn't that a thing that the golden retrievers get? Hip they get like that one of the legs will come out, sort of thing. Yeah, I, it, I don't know what it is, but hip dysplasia I, I associate with them. But you weren't ready. You you weren't. <laughs> you weren't. I have a golden mix now. Oh, it's my first dog, and uh, it took some getting used to actually. Aww. because cats are like very uh, independent. Uh-huh. People uh, think they're assholes. Yeah, they're actually, and they. I guess they are. I, it's not like I don't understand what they mean. Uh-huh. But they they need to be wooed and seduced, and there's a subtlety to cats. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, because they're off learning to meditate. Yeah, 
and you, you kind of forget you have them, a dog is always there. And it can feel a little overwhelming because you're like, me, I was like, what do you need? Yeah. It reminded me of my mother. I'm not even being funny. I was like, what? Like, yeah. That's how I feel. <laughs> with, it was like, why don't you call more? Like, that's right. the look said that to me. I, I, I'm, I'm not a cat person, and in part because I have terrible cat allergies. But I think also there is something about their demeanor that, that I find chilling. Oh, sure. And I love to hear cat lovers or people who just love cats, like cats, uh, kind of characterize them and, and, and try, <laughs> try to, to try to that. kind of like, yeah, yeah. try to apologize for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's off learning to meditate. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, forget, I forget what you just said, but <laughs> that's it was, what I said. Yeah, yeah, he's, learning, uh, he's learning skills. Like, no, 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 no. He's just being kind of a dick. I think you can understand though. One of the reasons Val and I, my wife would love to have kids. And it's like, I kind of wish we could have a cat too. Part of the problem is we travel too much and I don't know. Who's, yeah. We have someone that's, that's why I don't dog. have a dog. Yeah. Yeah. Well, luckily we have somebody that loves taking our dog and our dog kind of has this other home that he goes to when we're traveling. Um, but like if we had a cat, I don't know what the deal would be, but there's something that you learn from a cat, which is like I already said, subtlety, meaning this is a thing that will slash you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like it wants to. Well, I read somewhere that, that if that, that cats are, uh, something like it was something really dark. Like they're they're constantly well, they're constantly contemplating how to kill you. Yeah, no, I think like that's that, true. That, that that's sort of what they. I think they think that you're a weak, stupid cat, <laughs> and I think they're also like survival based. So like, if you die or if I kill you, like I can eat yeah. you. They're always kind of putting it together. But then don't dogs eat your face if you die? I've heard that for any animal. Oh, okay. That, see, they don't really get sentimental. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they they like you. We project so much onto onto these. Poor what are animals. we eating? Yeah, I mean, they, they're, we're eating things that we could have fallen in love with. Yeah, like if you had but... a pet pig, it wouldn't be that weird to grill it when it died. Like you'd be like. Delicious. I don't know. I'd feel like a cannibal if I love if I loved it and it was like a member of the family. It's like the old SNL sketch naming the lobster. Uh, uh, oh yeah. Remember they were like this is. I think it was Larry. And yeah. Then it's just like you, you don't kill do Larry. That. Don't yeah. kill Larry. This is how. This is what Peter should be doing. <laughs> he should be going around. That's Ted. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> you go figure your own seafood. <laughs> but the subtlety you learn is like here's a cat and it's kind of wagging its tail, which opposite of a dog is bad. And if, as a kid, I learn almost like a, it's not telekinesis, but there's something about calming yourself. So it's a little bit meditative. Uh-huh. You have to like relax. So the animal relaxes. So you can like just kind of start to scratch it a little bit. And then you earn it. You you private Ryan it. You mm. earn the lap sit. Okay. And that bond is valuable. Whereas a dog, I used to joke, a dog would it loves you, but it would also love a bag of sticks with your t-shirt on it. Yeah. Like it, 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 it's not earned. Well... I mean, there, there's some of it. All right, taking some of the fun out of it. I feel like I, <laughs> I kind of, I kind of bonded with Scout here, and I feel oh, like I, see I feel like I earned it with some petting and you some are. nice, you some are. nice energy. What kind of, <clears throat> what kind of dog is Scout? She's a mutt, like lab, rot. Yeah. Dogs. Oh yeah, there's a lot going on there. Yeah. I know what you mean because some dogs hate you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not you. Is your cat Boo Radley by any chance? <laughs> yeah, he lives next door. <laughs> okay. We're frightened of him. That's a good cat name. This is Boo Radley. <laughs> yeah, cat Boo and, and Scout. You get it. Um, uh, quick question. Yes, sir. The y- y- Our levels are a little different. You're, you're, you're hot, which I like. <laughs> I like I'm erect and I'm hot. Here you then, go. But this, I can't hear one? me very well. Oh, really? Oh, that is that? This one's you, I think. Yeah, is this yeah. you? You're two. You're two. Uh, How's that feel? Oh yeah, okay. 
Yeah, that, that feels a little I think better. I just turned you up, actually. Yeah, that feels a little better. I am going to sound loud. Do I have a master <laughs> volume or something? To that, is your, yeah. that is your Oh, that's master. my master volume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I was saying my level. No, you, we can't do that. We ain't, we ain't got that. You don't have, what are all those knobs over there? No, this is for the recording. This is like when you find, oh, the, the live feed. We're even on the recording. Yeah. Look, I'll do this. I'll okay. move the mic a little bit. No fooling. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that you got into voice. Sorry, I read your Wikipedia. Oh boy! Listen, Ed, I'm a big fan. Hey. Cedar Rapids is one of my favorite movies. No, shut Absolutely. up. Absolutely, I love it. You went for the deep cut. I don't. I, I was shocked <laughs> to find out when I looked at your Wikipedia page that that was a deep cut, and then I went to the awards looking for Cedar Rapids. I, I don't follow this stuff. And I just thought it was like a real star turn. I know you've had all these star oh, turns. Oh, that's People super know nice. You. Thank you. Hangover and, and Daily Show. These are huge things in in the in the ether. But I saw Cedar Rapids and I was like, Eddie Helms, yeah, killing it. Ah, oh, thank you. I love love that movie. It's a great movie, and it was very close to my heart. What the writer Phil Johnston and I developed it together, and and just kind of hashed out a lot of it and like you mean and, like you got a little input on the character uh, a little bit oh yeah we got were we, we we sort of Cole he, he had the story he had sort of a story he uh, wanted me to do it and so he reached out to me and i we met and i, I really liked him we hit it off actually our friend our mutual friend owen burke introduced us oh no way yeah and um kind of our comedy he's very centered that man oh yeah like, right there's all these like wild nuts like going around juggling and he mm-hmm. always seemed just kind of like hello yeah, in oh. the best way. But if you've ever seen him go wild on stage, yes. W- w- well, that's how back I first when, saw when him at UCB back at in UCB, the day. I, that's, oh, and now he's kind of embodied the like. Yeah. No, he's super relaxed. zen. Can I get you a cup of coffee? Yeah. Like, he puts people at ease. Three daughters, Which and is, he's just chill. Is that right? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, we'll get to your. Do you have kids? No, not yet. Not yet. Mm-mm. With this painting in my mind, mm. I see you with the dog, and I see you with the kids, and there's the flag. <laughs> Flag is may, might not be right. I actually see you in a purer political list, even though you have some politics in your sure, in your thing. Sure. More of a pure lakefront kind of like okay. summer camp vibe. You seem yeah. like a camp kid. Okay, yeah, I did go to summer camp. Which what, what kind? Boring or fun? Um, <laughs> super fun. Uh huh. Yeah, I mean boring by description, but super fun for me as a as a little sort of mine too dorky kid. There, the meaning was there tennis at your camp. There was, but it was sort of it was sort of scoffed at, like like the uh, the it was a kind of mountain, uh, you know, boy. It was a boys' camp, uh, boys in, only in the mountains. Okay, now we're getting in that Ed Helms. Like yeah. I see you in a boys' only like with a with a pocket knife. Uh, oh yeah, pocket knife. Lots of whittling, not tying. And uh, and there, there was an activity that you could sign up for called pioneering. Where you literally would go out in the woods, and the whole the whole camp session it was four week sessions. The whole session, the the pioneering groups were building structures in the woods out of Whoa. out of from scratch, like chopping down trees with axes, <laughs> and then like you know putting together a simple uh, you know little like a leaning, not more uh, than a lean to, but like like lean to like like a treehouse or a. Um, uh, or like a really rugged shelter of some kind. And Just... did you do pioneering? Oh yeah. yeah. Did you do I, I, uh, solos? Did you ever go in the woods alone? Was there any sort of like you're no gonna that, separate? And... What is that? That's like an outward bound thing. I think I never did did that. I did that in college yeah. as an elective in the woods. D- did you freak out? No, all I did was make a list of what I wanted to eat when I was done because it was <laughs> also a fast. <laughs> 
It was also like, you're not going to eat for two days and you're going to be in the woods. And I, I just was I wrote, uh, I, I, we'll get into religion later, but it's a communion joke. I wrote like Oreo pie from uh, McDonald's, which I had never even had. I just always saw it. Yeah. I was like, eat this in remembrance of me. Meaning yeah. hungry people. Yeah. Pete out in the world. Did you fast for two days? Two day fast. What, what, what was this in what context? I went to a Christian college. Oh. You went to Oberlindo. Oh, I went to the opposite of a I Christian know. college. My friend yeah. went to Oberlindo. Wait, which Christian college did you nah. go to? No, I'm just oh, kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's so boring. I went to Gordon College. My joke is it doesn't even sound like a college. Yeah. It sounds like a man that my parents hired me to, to tutor me. <laughs> Gordon. Hello, are you going to go to Gordon? You want to go to college? I got your college right here. Hey, Gordon. And he just came in and taught me to fast. Shouldn't I be learning Latin? Yeah. No, no eating. Wait, shouldn't you be interacting with him? No, he goes out in the woods by himself. I'm find gonna... berries, soft boy. I didn't find anything to eat. Uh, but uh, we were... Uh, don't interview me. <laughs> it's a big problem. It's a big problem. I'll go off on tangents. You were on camp, but we're talking. We're, about we're fighting. We're, talking- we're, we're fighting for who's more boring. <laughs> no, I wasn't eating. You were making something more sophisticated than a lean to. But that that sort of stuff did it. it did it instill in you like a love of nature and, and an appreciation for the woods? Uh, <laughs> that is a boring question, but I, I do want to. I spice it yeah. up with woods. Yeah, I like that. Um, but do, are you a nature guy? I, I am. Can I, lo- you sit I love on the it. beach without going like, how long's it been? Yes, I love. I do love to be out outdoors, out and about. Yeah, lots of. Uh, I, you know, it's funny. Uh, I realized. You know, with your click, and I'm not a big Facebook guy. I really don't go on very much. But yeah. but when I do, it's funny how many outdoorsy photos you see. I know, and and it's, it's like, like but big... I know that guy, and he's not really outdoorsy, right? And but there's a lot of photos, and it's just funny because in you just you're asking me that question, kind of is is making me question how how I see myself versus what is real because I do see myself I as see someone that. who who loves nature, loves being outdoors. Loves to camp and right. lo- and and all these things, and I and I do do those things, but very infrequently. Right. I mean, I I hardly ever camp anymore, and but I still, it's funny. Just if my my knee jerk answer to your question would be like, yeah, I'm out there all the you time. Know what's really funny about this. So you love bluegrass, yeah, yeah. And my knee jerk response to you like bluegrass is like, I love bluegrass, yeah. But when's the last <laughs> time I've listened? To it? It's the exact yeah, same. Yeah. It's one for one. I think of myself as a bluegrass person, and you think of yourself, you know, mildly, and you think of yourself as an outdoorsy person. Hey, let's let's just spend the rest of the time figuring out all the ways we're wrong about ourselves. No, that's what this podcast is all about. <laughs> I think it's interesting that you go to the woods now. I saw an ad for, like, an egg drone. It's a drone the size of an egg, and you let it loose. It's real Star Wars shit. And it flies, and it takes selfies, like wide, beautiful selfies. So the idea is that you go to, like, Niagara Falls, or you go to uh-huh. some, some hike and some beautiful thing. But I was like, we're turning the woods. Remember Thoreau? Mm-hmm. The point was to get... He hated the railroad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, fuck Facebook. He right. was like, I want to get away from the choo-choo. Right. And now we go into the woods, and just like everything, love, sex, uh, even spirituality, and nature... Cats. Ha- <laughs> <laughs> Has been turned into something. It's a material. We're so materialistic that even the woods becomes a thing to get, like a Pokemon Go to get. I don't mean that literally because you probably might find a Pokemon Go. I just mean you're going to get the photo. Yeah, to get the selfie, to to get the. Yeah. To prove 
to yourself and to your friend, I'm an outdoorsy guy. Right. Where the point of nature, arguably, if we're to believe Thoreau, is to like get the fuck away from that and to be quiet enough to actually, and this sounds cheesy, but commune with it. There's something going mm, on. Sure. Your blood pressure, 15 minutes in a green area, has been shown to like go down 15% or something. Like It lowers. There's something about green and brown and clean air. Takes us right back. That's where we used to be. Mm-hmm. And now we go in with fucking robot eggs Yeah, to go, I'm going to show, and maybe I'll get a, a fucking date out of this or something. That's fucking weird. Yeah, but if you... but. I feel like if you if you have a robot egg that can fly around and take pictures of you and you don't take it in the woods, then you're, you're kind of an asshole. Like, what are you doing not what is getting selfies? Point, with- counterpoint. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, well, if you have it, that's what it's for. I mean, it's kind of the coolest thing ever. Let's not overthink this. It's a flying egg that well, can Well, you're on the wrong podcast you. if you don't want to overthink things. <laughs> I'm just like, what are we What are we collecting? When I know. I know it's, exactly it's what an you're obvi- saying. I know I, you do. But I like your counterpoint. It's also a miracle. Yeah. It's, it's, I'd but, like to but, think well, of- I, I do think, it, I, I think. I joke with uh, with my buddy a lot, like how much we are living in the future. You know, there was that there's that old comedic trope of like, hey, you know, back in the 50s, they said that we'd have flying cars or by now. Where's all the flying cars? Right. Where's but, my jetpack? Yeah, yeah. Where's my Jetsons little speeder? I want and, a meal and a pill. Yeah. And my and my robot maid who can uh, also fillet me. Um, but <laughs> it's it, a very that's a round round peg square hole situation. If I'm remembering the robot well enough, so. that's like a long rectangle mouth. Yeah. You better okay. have an odd dick. OK. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, mine is really like a Play-Doh extrusion. It's, it's, it's a very odd shape, um, but uh, wonderful. Uh, uh, but, We're not but, living in the future. Yeah. So, but 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 truthfully, I mean that that's kind of a, a tired old yarn because the the truth is we are living in an insane time. It's like it's incomprehensible all the yeah. all the options and and cool gadgetry that that we have that everyone has access to. Right. I mean, you know, everyone. Uh, that that can spend a little bit of money. I mean, it's not obviously. Let's get into class <laughs> issues funny. and break it down. No, but even but, in class, I mean, uh, lower income people are enjoying. I see it. You know, everywhere people right. have smartphones. Is right. what I'm saying. Like even the cheapest smartphone is still a miracle if you showed it, it to is Thomas. An Edison. Unbelievable miracle. <laughs> you and show him your flip phone. It'd be like snake. Yeah, <laughs> he would yeah, love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. He would be like, "What is this? Help me!" <laughs> so we um, are living. Like, stop complaining about where mm, your flying car is. I, I don't. I don't know. If it, I just am sort of constantly in awe, and it's usually around the holidays when you start to see ads for like cool gadgets, like this and, egg drum, and yeah, and, which I haven't even seen. I'm yeah. I'm just taking your word for it. Uh, <laughs> this is where we. But no, I'm a pathological liar. <laughs> this There's is no where egg drum. This is where I go home and start throwing my eggs at my house, and, and, my, <laughs> and my wife comes home and there's just like dried egg everywhere. Hey, wait, no, Pete, no, Pete Holmes Pete. said. I could do this. <laughs> I want a photo of that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but so not anyway. you were saying not stop complaining, but just but just that that it is uh, uh, for better or worse. I I don't even know. The jury's still out, by the way. Yeah, if this is good stuff. Um, but I do think it's also really telling and weird that uh, um, what's his name the the former Facebook president. Um, Matt, uh, Trey Parker, mm. right? No, not Trey Parker. He's South Park. You're right, uh, and I agreed. Uh, uh, but Parker, 
Matt Groening. <laughs> um, Parker. Uh, Sean. Sean Parker. Sean Thank Parker you. played by the Spider-Man yeah. in the movie. Uh, right? No. Sean Was he in the movie? Timberlake. Justin Timberlake. No. Justin Timberlake. Sean Parker is the Napster guy? Yes. Okay. Hit it. JT. I th- if I think we're I think we're close. <laughs> um, anyway, he was and he was one of the f- first presidents of Facebook, I think. Yes. And uh, and he's now saying like this was deliberately addictive technology. It was designed to ex- to this? exploit our attention, and it's <clears throat> excuse me, and and it's uh, and and we're not. We need to start really looking at this. Well. Buddy, I want to look that up. Yeah. I, I just saw, I think it was a TED Talk because I'm a real piece of shit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was uh, watching one and they were talking about uh, the dog food test. Looking up Sean Parker. Oh, please, go ahead. just want to make sure. Um, that's, that's so sweet of you to like, as we're talking about technology, you're like, this is for us now, not a tweet. Is it right? Yeah. Okay. Um, dog fooding, have you heard of this term? No. Dog fooding is like the CEO of a dog food company. We'll have, like, at the annual meeting, he'll open a can of the dog food and eat it. And it's to show that he believes – you know, mayors will do it with the reservoir water or the lake water. Sure, Take sure, Take a sure. cup of it. It's yeah. a big PR stunt. Yeah. But it's a real thing. And then they were talking about Steve Jobs when they were interviewing about the iPad. Uh, they were like, uh, Steve, you, it was the last question of an interview. They're talking about the iPad. iPad's coming out. They were like, uh, your kids must love the iPad. What do your kids think of it? Just like one last question at the end, like Columbo. And Steve is like, uh, they haven't seen it. Uh, we're, uh, we're, we don't allow that sort of technology in the household. So he does not dog food his product. He's aware that we, like, fuck, man, the color red Slightly enrages you. I mean you. Rational Me. Ed Helm. Right, your T-shirt. Oh, <laughs> I want to punch you. <laughs> this is a peach, sir. <laughs> okay. This is very soothing. <laughs> but I'm just saying there are these things like, remember you find out like red and yellow together make you hungry. McDonald's, right? We're idiots. There are these things that are like getting our attention and manipulating our primal brains. And you have a flat, shiny, pleasant to the touch, swoopy, swipey. Colors, light, sounds. Of course, you're going to be addicted to it, and of course, Steve Jobs is right to keep his kids the fuck away from it. Yeah, because he knew that his great ideas came because he was a weird hippie came from standing in a field and taking LSD. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't from using someone else's and shiny. We're back thing. to nature, <laughs> and we are back yeah. to nature. It's, I mean, how do you how do you feel? What happened in your life? I lost audio. In your life about technology, and, and your, are you happy with where you are, how often you look at your phone, how often you check your email? Um, I, I don't feel I – I, I think I check my phone a little too much, yes. And what but does that mean for you? It means it's the first thing I look at when I wake up in the morning. Yeah. I, I think that's the thing I don't like. Um, it gets your first. That's what I've been calling it. It's like I said this morning as I drove in, I was like, Ed Helms gets my first today. <laughs> Meaning, it sounds weirdly sexual. I just mean like... It sounds be- wonderfully I'm sexual. Be- <laughs> Delightfully sexual? I, in the morning, the cloudiness of who you are and what you have to do and your responsibility, all the kind of illusions that we were, are at bay. And yeah. yet, in that precious yeah. moment, I'm with you. We look at uh, Facebook. Unless we discipline ourselves not to i suppose but this is where i'm at i i'm with you yeah but i i don't uh, weirdly i'm not like a social media guy that much i mean i am on it i'm, I'm on instagram and 
Twitter and I, I chime. I sort of go through phases where I'll do it a bunch and then I'll just drop out for like two months and I, yeah. I don't even think about it. It's weird. And then – and I think this is a little bit of my uh, – my, my, my professional life. Like as a comedian, as a performer, there's something where where I – you know, I'm I'm kind of hungry and I'm going after it and I'm like putting myself out there a lot and right. I'm um, and I'm kind of doing that actor thing of like calling attention to myself and and then then I go through these periods where I'm like I really need I just I need to back out yeah. and be kind of quiet and alone and the tide pulls back out yeah the tide pulls <laughs> out and, and I just I see all these people like. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of people who I really love and admire, comedians, and and who are so uh, prolific on social media, and I can't, I can't even wrap my head around it. Yeah. It's like, how are you doing? C- this? Yeah, because because I it just seems like it it's so preoccupying, like replying it, to people. Yeah, like get, getting through that. Yeah, <laughs> what? Yeah, because that, um, that implies scrolling through the mentions, yeah, finding them, quoting them, replying. Well, and by the way, I this is this is I have no judgment for that. Sure. I honestly envy it in a lot of times because yeah. I'm I'm like I I, I wish. The same thing with like sports. I I cannot muster yeah. giving a shit about sports. I, I can't do it, I and I want understand. to be part of the com- the, the camaraderie, and I want to get passionate about you know how this guy got traded and all why. Ten guys and, on the courts, you know their first and last names. I yeah. just called one of my best friends, Alan, and it's Adam. Yeah, <laughs> right. How are you doing this? Yeah, I, it's like that's sort of how I feel about social media a little bit. Um, Facebook has never grabbed me. I've never enjoyed the interface. Mm. Uh, occasionally, I'll post things, but um, it's mostly promo. Uh, yeah, it's that's exactly. Not, I'm not, yeah, I do the same thing. No, no, it's it's totally that's that's mostly how I use it. Yeah. And um, and so in that way, that this is sort of a part two answer to your question. That I don't feel. Like I don't feel burden or burdened by social media. I think in the same way a lot of people do, and mm. that, that it, they're addicted to it right. or all that. Um, if anything, it's the opposite. I kind of wish I had more just to stay juice relevant. for it. Yeah, just, yeah, to, just stay to stay relevant. relevant. It's how I, I actually play video games to be like I just don't want to lose touch because uh-huh. they get so complicated. Yeah. Well, that's and I'm why like the, we're using the top buttons now. To, yeah, <laughs> and by the way, I, that's what I do with Apple technology. Yeah. I watch. The uh, the developer the developer conference presentations like I watch uh, all because yeah. I want to know everything right. that's new and I want to because I want to be able to take advantage of my thing but even that I'm starting to drop off a little I'm like yeah. this new phone is yeah. annoying for yeah. these reasons I'm not even going to bother figuring I out I just had that why. feeling too I was like I don't want it reading my face I take great pride in the little privacy screen over yeah. my front facing <laughs> camera and I don't want to have to have it take a photo of my face to use it yeah. I yeah. was like, and I'm not even a conspiracy theorist. It's that's just like a fucking real thing that people can hack. Your camera. Sure, that's like a crazy reality. But I don't. You don't want to be your mom calling for remote help. Oh, right. Who? Which just happened to me yesterday. Your mom called for remote yeah. help. Yeah. My mom and called, by the way, this yeah. is this this is like the plot of a horror movie. I get a call <laughs> from. Uh, I get a, a, a text from my brother-in-law that says. I uh, was just in a nice conversation over Facebook Messenger with your mom, and then she asked me for money. <laughs> FYI, she should probably change her password. So I call mom, and she is uh, – Oh, she was having, hacked. She was hacked, yeah. I thought so, – this is like the Steve Martin bit. It's like <laughs> she wanted $20 for some food. It's like, Ed, help your mom out. <laughs> uh, I would give her $20. Um, no, so she'd been hacked. So I called her. She's literally – 
opening the door of her house to her, I, some of her best friends coming over for brunch. Yeah. And I said, Mom, we have to change your Facebook password right now. Yeah. Someone is actively messaging your contacts, asking for money. And so, okay, okay, we, we go. We, she sits down at her computer. Now, I'm driving. I'm, I'm, I'm on speakerphone in the car. I, and like I just was saying, I'm not that familiar with Facebook. Yes, yes. So she's like, okay, how do I change my password? Do you password? see a gear? Yeah. Is there a picture of a yeah, gear? It's like settings. Mom, just click on There's got to be a settings <laughs> profile. It takes us 20 minutes to get to the to the, to the little part. I don't I wind my, up pulling yes. over and going on FaceTime to look at her screen, and, and we get it sorted out. But uh, but that's how kind of um, I don't know not savvy I am yes. with that stuff. I but mean, you want to I, say I can just I poke this side yeah, of I poke loving fun at my mom for it, but the truth is, like I I was not super right. helpful, right? But at a certain point, it's irresponsible, I guess, to our future unborn children to not at least kind of know how to use stuff because you it is a burden. I like, guess. the only times I've lost my patience and kind of been like ah is when I've been like. Oh, you don't do you don't see it, users? Yeah, user, users. <laughs> like, why am I yeah. yelling at the woman who housed me? And I mean, in her womb. <laughs> I'm like, I'm screaming users at her. If she had known in 1979 that I would be screaming users, yeah. maybe she wouldn't have done it. I do think, yeah, there's something to giving benevolent tech support that is the best in humanity. Yes. It, it's yes. so hard not to get enraged. You have tech to support. be like doing it and not doing it at the yeah. same time. You also have to be like calming yourself the yeah. whole time. Do me a favor. Go to your file menu. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait. That's why it's good over Files in the top left corner. <laughs> you know this. Next to the apple. We've been over this. I love the – I don't love it, but it's interesting that there's a hacker out there who was able to convince your brother-in-law for long enough mm-hmm. like to have what he considered a delightful chat. Yeah. Hey, how are you? Right. Oh, well, I'm good. How are right. you? Good. How's Ed? Ed's good. <laughs> you know? She starts talking. He's doing a special for Comedy Central. <laughs> He's editing right now. P.S. <laughs> can I have $3,000? <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm glad he didn't do it. Uh, we were talking about Cedar Rapids because I, I do want to talk about it. Great. Cause, cause yeah, I love it, and I'm super proud of it. You should be. I mean, for what it's worth. I'm just one man. <laughs> but <laughs> I... For some reason, it's a movie that I go back to. It's like a it's like a place movie. Mm. It captures hotel life really well. Yeah, it captures. You know, I think you and I are similar. Like we're trying to be like sweet guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, like kind of a naivety and like trying to make the best of things. And you help me, even though I've seen it many times. You sell insurance, or uh, yes, and yeah. and you and you believe in it, right? And that as a writing device, we get it. We mm-hmm. get your character very quickly. Is is like this guy sells insurance, but he believes in it. Yeah, which is like a stereotypical network note. Can he be good at his job? Right, right. But it's it works. Oh. It's like this guy. That scene on well, the swings also, where you explain how yeah. it's actually helpful to humanity to provide. And Allstate tries to do this in commercials. Well, it's a weird. It's a weird <laughs> business because it's a, It's basically a pyramid scheme, right? <laughs> I mean, they're just taking money and then and then occasionally paying out. Yes. and and I think um, so interesting. Of course, uh, insurance is it's both brilliant, necessary, and 
a little hard to wrap your head around the the kind of moral ambiguity of it. Right. And I, I it's I, like the I Chris think, Rock bit. If nothing happens, shouldn't I get some money back? Yeah, there, exactly. <laughs> like, right. Give me shouldn't some of you? that. Yeah. That's a great bit. I, I yeah. Make sure listen to that again. Um, but uh, but Tim Lippy is great uh, un just un, doesn't question it. And he only sees the good in it. And Which is like a worldview. Yes, exactly. That's, that's like how we can – and I don't mean hook, line, and sinker in a bad way. We can buy into a faith system. We can buy into uh, an under, a sports team We can, or, or nationality or whatever it is. There's something kind of nice or, or innocent about going, I know there's a lot of complexity in the world. But I just lean this way. Insurance mm-hmm. helps people. Yeah. And you can be like, but it's a pyramid scheme. He's like, yeah, but I was just on the phone with a guy who lost his house in a flood. And, man, that was a good move. Like, yeah. I helped him out. Yeah. I mean, I, I, in general, I think that, that ignoring complexity is kind of a lot of what's wrong with the world. Totally. <laughs> but I do. I guess what I, I think it, is it's childlike. Well, yes, there's an innocence to it. But also if you're doing it in if, – if you're sort of – if it's rose-colored glasses instead of, like, blood-colored glasses, <laughs> you know? Like, I, I think that a lot of uh, political discourse gets uh, sidetracked by by just the denial of complexity. Yes. You know, especially with, with social issues. and Maybe it's and, just why we can relate to Tim Lippy, as we're just kind of like, it is comfortable. Well, it's aspirational to see the world so, ni- so beautifully yes. and to see kind of things that are are darker or questionable to ha- to sort of maintain a positive outlook. It's like an ignorance is bliss sort of situation. Um, yeah. I, I just think Tim's heart is so, uh, it's just so hopeful and positive and, um, and he's ultimately very frightened and chastened by what, but by the complexity and darkness around yeah. him. Um, he's very sheltered. Um, I, I don't think, I wouldn't call that a virtue, but I do think it's it's part of his appeal. Right. And like you said, child, childlike. Is, it's, a, is, it's a childlike relatability. Yeah. And, and I guess my question for you, because I relate so hard to that. You're helping me under, uncover why I like it. Uh-huh. And I was like, I got a lot of years out of just being like, um, believe in Jesus and you're okay. Like uh-huh. that sort of, let's not look at that as a complex thing. Right, right. Um, let's not look at anything as a complex thing and let's just be kind. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and so that's what this guy is doing. At a certain point, you have a tragedy or something that breaks you and, and splits you into the second half of life where everything is more complex. Mm-hmm. Do you relate to that? Were you sheltered? Did you feel sheltered and uh, sweet, I, I guess? I totally relate to that. I think uh, um, I... I I've always sort of, uh, I've always felt confounded by, by the world and by human behavior. It's overwhelming, and <laughs> yeah, but and I've always kind of been in awe of people who can, who seem to just be able to roll with stuff and, and, uh, um, you know, I I wasn't, I'm not a, re- a religious person, and I didn't go through a fervent religious period, but I was raised in a. Um, in a very conservative environment, I went to a, a school uh, that is a Christian school and Where? There were a, in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of um, kind of evangelical sen- uh, sentiments stirring around my mm-hmm. school, mm-hmm. and um, and I I thought I, it was very normal to me, and and even though I I, I never quite bit on the on the on on religion. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I, I was, I just, I, it was just around me all the time and it was very normal and I didn't question it very much. Um, and, uh, and for some reason, uh, yeah, I, I definitely had a kind of, I went to Oberlin college, which is extremely progressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and at the time it was, let's see, it was the early nineties. It was political correctness was really exploding. And you really jumped into the deep end of ambiguity and complexity. Yeah. Right. And, and I, I, I kind of had a blowback effect where I was like, whoa, this is too much. Maybe this is a little crazy. Yeah. And, uh, you were in the cantina in star Wars. Yeah. And I had to kind of, I kind of had to, um, I had to shoot the alien. Yeah. Greedo. Right. Yeah. And, uh, no, I don't know. I'm trying to make that metaphor work somehow. No, you're Han Solo I, and you shot first. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand. But it, it's, it can be overwhelming and you kind of go like, what of this wildness is good and what needs to be pruned for you personally? Because yeah. I, I had a friend who went to Oberlin. I'm, I'm at Gordon. He's mm-hmm. at Oberlin. And I used to tease him. I was like, is the slogan of your school, hey, it's cool? Yeah. Because <laughs> that was <laughs> – but looking back, I'm like, no, it is cool. Like I was this guy going like, it's weird that you think everything's cool. And now I look back and I'm like – what was I talking about? It is cool. Like, but I kind of was frightened by drug use and sure. I still kind of am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> but me too. I'm a rule follower in, in yeah, a lot I was of ways. A rule follower and I think too. Uh, and that's why I like that stuff. And, and I think you, you were talking about uh, making s- things simpler uh, and, and, and that just being a, a, a way to move through something yeah. complex. And I, I, I find that I still do that. Like I'll, um, my doctor will say, Hey, you know, this is, this is this thing you need to, to do. And I'll go home and I'll do it exactly. Yes. And my, my, and my wife is like, uh, uh, this is getting annoying. Maybe like, you know, uh, maybe you don't have to like, you gotta do, do this. Like, like, what am I, what I don't want to say obsessively, about? but like, there's a comfort in bumper bowling. Yeah. You're just like, he said, do this. And I get, yeah. I'm going to say about me, I get obsessive. If I go, right. this is the thing, I love blinders. Yeah. Just to kind of go, this leads to that. And right. that's what I want. And, and I'm going to do it. And it makes it easy. It's yes. like, if I just follow the, these rules, I'll be fine. And if I don't, well, then I could get a terrible infection and die. <laughs> and uh, and I I probably won't, but I might. So I might as well just follow the rules. And I make it black and white. Yeah. It isn't. It's a little messier than that. You could of kind course. of do it and but follow the rules, it. but but it's sort of easier to make it black and white. I, and I don't I don't think that's a good thing. I think it's actually probably better to just be able to roll with a little messiness. Well, you and, want it to be a bell curve. You don't want to have too much oversimplification, but you also don't want to have too much. No, you don't want to ignore but of, it, it's, the, of the complexity. For sure. You want to be I can right hand in the you middle a piece of, that. of fruit, and I can sometimes be guilty of this. And I'm like, is it organic? This, is this in season? Uh-huh. Where did this come from? Right. Like, is it economically or globally responsible to import this apple from all that fuel? And you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like. At a certain point, you eat the apple. Like, mm-hmm. just shut up and eat the apple. But that's hard if you're really – and maybe that maybe that's what frightened me about Oberlin was I thought it was like, is it okay that I got this shirt at Target? And I understand why it might not be. Well, here, But, like, you don't want it to be debilitating. Here's what was – You also don't want to be in the dark. Here's what was interesting about Oberlin at, at that time and, and for my experience there – uh, what did you say? You, you thought the slogan was hey, "Hey, it's cool." Hey, it's cool. I actually made my friend a shirt that said "Oberlin." Hey, it's cool. <laughs> that, that's very funny. <laughs> I, I would say that that that's kind of inaccurate, though, because at the time, 
um, political correctness was really exploding. And all of a sudden, so many uh, so many sort of cultural conventions and, and behavioral conventions were not cool. Mm. And things that, that we didn't think a lot about were suddenly not cool. Right. And not only were they not cool, you were a dick if you did them. Right. And there wasn't a – I think now there, you're seeing a lot more of a – of a hey, maybe I can educate this person right. to to understand some better. Softness. Yeah, so but but I remember at that time there was a lot of kind of like you're wrong and you you know you're right. and, and there was a lot that wasn't cool and yeah. I and I think that <laughs> and, and that that's that was sort of overwhelming to me in a way that where I really sort of fell in line with mm. it. Oh and, really? And it took yeah. So being and, a rule follower, you're like. Okay, I will check my privilege. I will yes, like, all those things. Look at my how yeah. I talk and think about women. There are all yeah. these good things, but you were you were kind of frightened in the line. Yeah, and I think um, uh, it, it it sort of it tapped into a lot of it was coming from a place of outrage, and I I think that and and in myself even I was feeling like uh, I'll be you know th- these are reasons to be really angry, and I just have. I don't know. Over time, ha- had a you know there is a lot of there is a lot of legitimate reasons to be outraged and to be really angry about a lot of these things. Um, I think that uh, that the approach to getting the message out, getting the getting whatever your whatever your point of view is, getting it out, it it, it does need a. A kindness sandwich. Yeah. It needs a. It needs benevol- Needs to be wrapped in benevolence because so much of what we do that's hurtful to each other is ignorant. It's. Yeah. It's not. Uh, it, it's. It. It comes from misunderstanding someone, misunderstanding a a, a situation. Um, and though, meaning, it's not malicious. It's, it's not, not malicious. deliberately. Yeah, I'm treating. Women unkindly. It's, yeah. it's conditioning. It's it's a failure in your upbringing, right. or whatever it is, or just your point of view or your exposure, your experience. Right. Uh, who, all these things that you haven't yeah. had the right experiences. You yeah. haven't you haven't had your mind opened. Right. You know what I mean. And I think that um, I just feel like if, if uh, this is my Rodney King moment, like if we could all just get along, but yeah. no, if we could all sort of see that in each but other. It's called, this is what Richard Rohr, a Franciscan friar who I'm obsessed with, he's incredible. He talks about transcend and include, meaning there's something called spiral dynamics. It starts with like caveman consciousness, which is just like find food, find shelter. Then it moves to like, I can't go through all, it'll take four hours to go through all of it. But what Oberlin is called green, it's, it's green consciousness. And there's something called mean green. I just learned this from a hmm. Rob Bell talk who I love. Mean green means like you're right, you know you're right, and you actually start kind of being mean about right, it. Right, right. And the, the level of consciousness after green, and it's not better or worse, it's just the next one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's tricky to talk about this. Is, is an inclusive consciousness, meaning you see yourself in all of them. Mm-hmm. You don't go like, those fucking idiots believing right. in a man in the sky, yeah. or that person believing in hexes and uh, prayer, and this person believing in whatever it is. You transcend it. It's what Ram Dass says. He's like, just because you're not in the third grade anymore doesn't mean you have to hate third grade. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to hate people in third grade. You look and you remember, I was in third grade. Mm-hmm. And maybe I can, I think if I'm hearing you correctly, compassionately invite someone to the fourth yeah. grade instead of going, you fucking dummies with your paste and your sparkles. Hit it. 
I've never had the guest ask for a high yeah. five. I always ask for I a just, high five. I just asked for a high five. <laughs> and you gave it to me. And I appreciate that. I love that. Because I'm, I'm here. It's, it's an exciting thing. So rule follower at Oberlin, do you remember anything that you kind of had your mind open to at that time? Um, well, very much, I think, uh, racial dynamics were uh, uh, at Oberlin are always very – um, front and center, and I think coming from uh, a fairly affluent family in a prep school in Atlanta, um, I just didn't. I had there were just so many assumptions just about how the world works and mm-hmm. about um, what I don't know that that was a, definitely a lot of just just meeting people. Oberlin is so great at rounding up so many people from different kinds of backgrounds mm-hmm. um whether it's socioeconomic or race or it's very deliberate it's very deliberate like in their that admissions way. they're yeah. like we can't just have even though these people are yeah. have the money and have the grades we're gonna go this way yep. because we want this to be that sort of and place. and i and and just kind of getting a broader understanding of of different kinds of people and their experiences huge yeah. o- awakening for me and to the point where, uh, yeah, I probably was kind of arrogant coming back to Atlanta those summers. Yeah. And then, like, you guys don't get it. Yeah. You guys don't get it. Because you were living in a mini <laughs> the world. Like, yeah. Mini Earth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I wonder, I was also, let's keep talking about Cedar Rapids, too. And by the way, I'm on the continuum of understanding that. I, I, oh would not, I wouldn't say that, like, Oberlin made me completely woke and I get yeah. it all. And yeah. I'm, like, the, the Buddy, most. I'm yeah. so embarrassed by my continuing blind spots yeah. that continue to have light sh- shown on them. Yeah, and I'm course. grateful for all of that. Yeah. But I went to K through eight. So that's nine years of the most progressive, liberal, Cambridge, Massachusetts, uh, Quaker, uh-huh. first name teachers. <laughs> at, they, like they would go out of their way to make sure some of the teachers were I, – I, I'm projecting. I, I'm not sure of this. A lot of my teachers were gay that, at a time when like you didn't have – that as a thing and if it was a thing maybe they didn't talk about it our lesbian teachers would be like I'm a lesbian and we mm-hmm. would talk about lesbianism in like third grade fourth grade fifth grade like it was all the and racial we celebrated Kwanzaa before it was like you the, went to Oberlin Elementary School that's what I'm saying yeah and yet I'll be in my car alone and I'll catch some wayward fucking stupid I'm not saying hateful but something yeah, just, not woke <laughs> like, yeah whoops like what was that how early do you have to get somebody, and how am I being bombarded in other ways? Well, I I think it's it, uh, it's we just have to accept that that we're flawed and we're going to make these mistakes and we're yeah. going to say things that are hurtful sometimes, and we need to be accountable for those things. Right. And and as long as and this is getting back to Cedar Rapids and so many of the characters that I play uh, from Stu in The Hangover to Andy Bernard in The Office. These are all people that uh, that I identify very closely with because they are so flawed and they're trying to be better. They're trying to like get better and be They're still moving in the right direction. Yeah. They're and, pointed and, and trying to move in the right direction. Yeah, and that's the thing that I that that I think is more important than being perfect. As long as you're sort of trying to be better and and you're going to listen and yeah. you're going to hear uh, and you're, you're gonna you're gonna look inward and question yourself. You're gonna question some of your beliefs and your 
background and you're going to listen when people call you out on things. Yeah. Um, and uh, and you're going to you're going to take responsibility for the things that 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 you get called out on. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as you're that person. You deserve the benefit of the doubt most of the time, right? Which e- is why, even when you even when you fuck up, your characters, uh, especially on The Office, can be somewhat annoying. You know what I mean, like or unlikable. You yeah, know, it, right. I, I, I mean that in the same way that I'm annoying and unlikable. <laughs> by the way, like I can't Never. stop. Like when you walked in, I wanted to call you Eddie Helms, like immediately. Like I'm the nickname guy. Yeah, I want to do what was it? Tuna, tuna, big tuna. Yeah, big. You, well, big tuna was my nickname for. For Jim, exactly, which uh, which is funny because a lot of people do call me Big Tuna. I believe makes, that, yeah, and I've, I've and you all, you almost just did. I almost just did, but I was mm-hmm. like, you, I I remember that you called him Big Tuna because you saw him eating a tuna sandwich, and I was like, oh shit, this is me. Like <laughs> I, I'm the guy that like, and there's something going on with that type of brain that can fault us. Where like it's like just saying what you think, uh-huh. you know what I mean, yeah. and like just kind of doubling down and having bald confidence on what you like. I was saying to Val recently, I was like, I think it's funny when people are like, I'm just brutally honest, man. I'm just brutally mm-hmm. honest. I'm like, that would be fine if you somehow magically had access to eternal truth, right? But what you're brutally <laughs> honest about is your flawed <laughs> idiot brain. You're just like, that's an ugly shirt, man. I'm brutally honest. <laughs> like you're just reflecting back what you've absorbed through advertising and conditioning. It's it's not real. Yeah, it's you're not just, truth. You're just yeah. fucking hitting a ball back that was hit to you. Uh, that's funny. It's so stupid. But I, I, I definitely uh, relate to that. Anybody that knows this podcast, but I love getting this out there, knows that I'm probably about to say this. It's a rabbinical teaching, meaning rabbis. Uh, two men on a, on a ladder. They say, Rabbi, one man is on the third rung. One man is on the ninth rung. Who is better in God's eyes? And the rabbi says, whichever one is still moving forward, whichever mm. one's still moving up. There you go. And that's what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. We can, does that make me a rabbi? <laughs> <laughs> yes. rabbi? I think you're a rabbi now. Okay. Which is funny because you know where we met? Don't. I'm not doing that. It's fun. I'm going to tell you where we met. I okay. hate when people go like, you don't remember my name, do mm-hmm. you? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you is your name. Um, we met at a Purim show. And I was super excited to meet you. Uh, Rob Kuttner. Oh wow! I, I remember that show. Yeah, me That's too. That's so funny. That was in a, some sort of basement ago. Oh, it was a very yeah. Long time it was ago. like on the Upper West Side yes. and, of New York. And, yes. Um, I. That's so funny. I yes, told the story I of him. That. Yeah. And it was so. How did you get roped into that? I did warm up for the Daily Show. Isn't that weird? While I was there? I don't think you were ever... I did it... I filled in, meaning I did it maybe 12 times. Okay. So you were there, probably. Okay. I think so. Um, But I was a fill-in guy, so I never saw you or met you there. Hmm. But I did meet Rob Kuttner, and he knows that I know, as I'm quoting rabbi stuff, he knows that I know a lot about the Torah and all that, Mm -hmm. and the Talmud and all that stuff. So why did I say Talmud in a joke voice? So he Hmm. was like, you would be a funny guy to come tell the Haman story. And I remember he was like, Ed Helms will be there. And I was like, I'm in. Ah. And we went and we met briefly, and it was lovely. You were very kind. Yeah, that was really fun. And and I think, uh, yeah, so Rob Kuttner um, went to my high school. No kidding. Yeah, we he grew up in Atlanta. He's a couple years older than me, but um, but he, I, he, I thought uh, it was. Oh, sorry. He grew up in Atlanta. Went to my high school, and then uh, then we wound up at the Daily Show at the same time. I think that's so crazy because if Wikipedia is to be believed, you got the Daily Show. Forgive me if you get this asked this a lot. How'd you get SNL? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you got it from an open audition, which I just thought yeah. was so interesting. Yeah, because you reek to me. 
as somewhat reek. Reek. You reek. <laughs> How do I reek? Like like the BJ Novak story. Someone sees him do stand up, and they go. The quote that I love is, "It wasn't the face. It wasn't your jokes. It was the faces you made in between the uh-huh. jokes." <laughs> and you seem like a guy that you'd see doing sketch, stand up, improv, and you just go. That you're such a natural fit for the Daily Show. I can't believe it was an open audition. Well, is this yeah. where we get a scoop? It was. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it was an offer uh, from my high school buddy. Ralph no, I I paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to John Stewart's uh, foundation, and he hired me. Um, <laughs> but it, it was just a cold call, and you did a tape. Uh, I think that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was at uh, one of one of those. Uh, commercial casting agencies in New York, and I, w- I was doing tons of voiceovers at the time, and I uh, and I also was uh, had been doing lots of stand up at that point, and um, and Upright Citizens Brigade. Perfect. And, this is like uh, everything you need: the pedigree to be a good correspondent, improv, a good voice. Like the news has yeah. a lot to do with yeah. like can you affect your voice? In but I also was a rabid fan of the show. I watched it every night. I wa- and when I went in for the audition, it was funny because they 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 handed me a script and they were like, "You have to cold read this. Um, go for it." And it was a script that Stephen Colbert had just done on the show like ten days before, and I I knew it. <laughs> I, I like already knew it. So I I just did what you have what, to cold read this. It's like four scoring. Yeah. <laughs> what? Um, I just did my best Colbert impression, and uh, and I got to the next round, which was a uh, they called five of us into the studio to sit with John and do and like read a a piece with him. Get out! And were you making your living as a performer at that point? You said you were doing a lot of stand up. I was making my living. I was making my living um, in voiceovers, commercial voiceovers. Uh huh. So I was I, I was during the day I, I was running around New York. Going to every casting I agency, know all these places. Yeah, and I and I did uh, voiceover auditions all day long, five six a day. Really? And then oh, you were like a hot commod. Yeah, I, I just I made that my business, and I it's did. A great I did it. <clears throat> I did it enough to do uh, reasonably well, and then and it wasn't terribly demanding during the day. <clears throat> I mean, I was running around a lot, but. In New York, there's something kind of fun and romantic. Yeah. Oh, about totally. It. You I, learn where they are. Yeah, and, and I you know the people at the casting. Oh, you agency. go to the, every every casting you you go to. It's the same guys. Yeah, it's all the guys that that kind of sound like if it's a voice yeah. audition, they yeah. all kind of sound like you. Right. And uh, and it was also the the dot com advertising boom, and I was like an early twenties guy. Yeah. And I had the. The, this voice that that was in demand at the yeah. time it yeah, was yeah. just sort of the zeitgeisty thing so i i worked a ton was there a big one? Oh yeah there were a few big ones um i had the burger king account for a couple years what would you, uh, you, what is burger king making it's not making it great uh well i wouldn't do <laughs> so so they would usually have a celebrity as kind of the logo voice uh-huh. at the time it was john goodman and then I was the guy who would come in over the footage and be like, two Whoppers for 99 cents. No yeah. way. Um, and then do you know was... Matt Oberg? Yeah. I would do – he's got that similar thing. Yeah. And one of my fondest voiceover memories was just getting the giggles with him. Because uh-huh. he – the bit was 
I was a voiceover technician. I was like, uh, you're reading the copy wrong. There's no way it can be 99 cents for two Whoppers. <laughs> or whatever. And, it, and then it had to be like, for two ninety nine, And I was just weeping with laughter. So you were kind of like an Oberg type. Yeah, it's a weird little racket, but I, for some reason, just cracked it. And I got in there and and I was I was recording all the time. I had a lot of small accounts. Like, you know, uh, I'd have like, uh, a radio campaign that I that I, that would call me into sessions twice a week for like six months or something, <laughs> um, and and then a bunch of a bunch of kind of weird uh, one offs like Tostitos and um, <laughs> I was the voice of Sharp Aquas TVs for a little while. Oh wow! Um, gosh, I mean, there's and just kind of doing the the, the lifting. Saying what the TV is, what the features or, are. Or it was like a little bit of attitude. Sometimes like snark was a big thing at yeah. that time. Like <laughs> there was a lot of the, the, this is the product. Do you like it? We don't really care. <laughs> you know, that, that Get an was, Aquos or don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the Aquos one was actually more like kind of like a new age spa voice. Like, no yeah, very, way. very, uh, um, but you're getting into the subtlety. I, I don't. I think a lot of people go like, I, I've always thought I'd be great at voiceover, and it's because everybody has a voice. Mm-hmm. It's kind of in the way we all think we can be teachers because mm-hmm. we've seen teachers and we're sure. like, I could, do, I could do that. Right. But there's so much more to it. Being in the booth like we are right now with with earphones on and a microphone, it's kind of hard. You're. Would you agree? You're kind of. You have to get your own momentum going. Well, I would say that that the probably the thing that that people mess up the most when they're trying to become voiceover actors is they they do they handle the client sort of business the the the, the client relation stuff you mean is, the people that are bringing you in yeah or or just all of the uh how to behave when you walk into a session like are you the chatty guy who shakes everyone's hands, learns everyone's names, and is kind of like, "What's going on? Like, what's how you? What's your kid up to? All that." Or are you the guy who walks right into the booth, puts the headset on, and says, to, uh, what, "What can I do for you today?" You know, and so or, you were like that. You were the operator. I was a little more just kind of like, I definitely would, if I had repeat clients, I or, or you know repeat get business, I, I would get to know people. But I really was good at at. At doing it quickly, yeah. kind of intuiting what what was what needed, or, reading or, the room or what they wanted, yeah, yeah. That to me was like what made. Uh, that's when I felt like I was doing a good job. Was when I could do it quickly, yeah. and get what they wanted quickly, and then and then leave them because they got lots of work to do to make this commercial. And totally. well, you've been on I the think, other side of the table now, and you're, I'm assuming you're yeah. trying to find people, and and you appreciate someone that just comes in, like when someone can just start acting. Yeah. It still takes my breath away. Yeah. I'm just like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Like they just jump into the scene and you're like, you're here, but you're yeah. not here. It's amazing. The other funny thing about voiceovers is uh, everyone, I remember at the time was like, oh, man, I want to get into that because you can really make a lot of money really easily. Right. And the, the, the truth is, yeah, yeah in, your, in your pajamas. Yeah. The truth is, if you want to make money at voiceovers, you really can't, that, that, that I think that comment comes from the assumption that, like, if I book a Burger King, I'm I'm set. Right. When but, really that could be three hundred dollars. Well, <laughs> over no, four months. Well, the, it can be a great. Um, it can be a wonderful windfall and a ton of money. But what I think most people don't realize is that to get the Burger King account, 
you have to have auditioned 400 times for other stuff. In other words, it is a numbers game. And you can't just like show up, book a giant job, check out for a couple of months, and then run out of money, come back. Build your own studio. Book a giant job. Yeah, Yeah, it just doesn't work that way. You have to be in – on the hamster wheel churning all the time. And like I said, I was going to five, six auditions a day. That takes all day because running around New York City – and I loved it and and it was really – a fun, it was a great chance but for you me were just, in. to sit on a subway and work on my stand-up jokes and yeah. stuff. But um, but it's it's a job. It's a real job. And unless you treat it that way, you're not going to make any money. And including something – I hate to say this, but like the – because I've been that guy. The over-enthusiastic, hand-shaking, chatty guy. Sure, sure. You need to know when to rein that in. And I'm sure – It has its place. It has its time. You know, like totally. there's – Read the room. Is right. that is that what it needs? Yes. Is this what they're looking for? Is the chatty guy kind of similar to the character? Because then you can get the part right. before you start right. the audition. Like that was the guy. <laughs> yeah. Like I felt that guy. Yeah. But I mean like you've been in films and TV and all these things. Like the day player – this is such a – I don't want it to be douchey. I want it to come off as helpful. The day player, who I've been, that's too excited to uh-huh. be there where it actually starts to kind of take – energy from you who's mm-hmm. been there all day can is is something that nobody told me yeah i wish someone this is what i'm trying to do had pulled me aside and just been like just try to act like you've been there and relax i've been there i i think there's there's almost nothing harder than walking onto a set for it's for frightening. like a half a day of work right if because there's already a, a vibe there's there's a dynamic there's yeah. energy and you don't know any of that and you walk in and i I, I've been that guy who's like real unsure of the vibe. I've been that guy recently, you know, even, <laughs> even with my, even with all my experience. And I, I have, I'm so fortunate to have done so many cool things, but, um, but I've walked onto a set and, and been not as prepared as I know I should have been mm. not known all my lines and kind of thinking like, I, I, this is a thing with another comedian. We're going to riff. We're going to riff. Right. And then it's like, uh, so di- you go and you have to do this Ring thing and be like, oh, it's, we're not improvising. Right. You, I should know my lines. Old Zach Galifianak, who you know quite well, I'm assuming, told me some story about a, a movie that he did. And all he was doing is what we all do is like, we'll just riff. Yeah. I know the scene is kind of like get in the car. Yeah, yeah. And then some director he worked with, I forget, was just like, no, it's, it's, we're shooting the script verbatim. Yeah, and I he was remember. Like, I know that right? story. Yeah, that's a, that, that was a tough one. And he was like, this is not... What I it's not how he became who he is. For sure. Like improvising is a great yeah. way to be a better actor. Well, I <laughs> I think that's all great and and I, I and that that experience that Zach had I know was really kind of fucked up in its own way, but but what I'm talking about is e- even if you're excited to improvise and it's going you're going to improvise with your friend in a scene, you should still know your lines when you get to set. Right. And I've I've gotten to set and not and kind of known my lines and kind of been a little over cocky like yeah. then we'll improv we'll fill in the gaps and then yeah. and then you wind up kind of slowing down the production and then right. you're that guy right. and that's that's not good it's always you're the guy just, on Mad Men and John Hamm who's been there for 40 hours just looks at you it, like come on you had <laughs> one job you had one job yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to memorize the book of Mormon to do this like, <laughs> yeah, entire yeah. book <laughs> I, I when you so this operator thing, which I'm very interested in. So you put the the earphones on and you just go, "How can I help?" When you were very excited, big fan of the Daily Show, and you went in to read a piece with John, how did you play it? Were you 
big fan. This is so cool. Did you try and get the part in the small talk or did you just go blinders on? So this, this is a really funny question because I, um, I, I gave a commencement address to Cornell uh, – a couple of years ago. I was actually going to ask about that because the idea of those is so overwhelming. Oh, what yeah. do you tell young <laughs> well, people? <laughs> I, this is a story that I told, as a matter of fact, which was that um, when I eventually went to audition for uh, The Daily Show, at that point, like I said, I had been going on five or six auditions a day for years, for a couple of years. Mm. I had hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of auditions under my belt. And the thing about voiceovers is that you book, if you're good, you book maybe one in 40, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So, and you never hear, you know, and it's not like they call you and say, hey, sorry, we, you know, right. that was a great read on, on the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Yeah. Sorry, we went with someone else. Even the cliche, we went in another direction. Yeah. That's, I've never got that call. No, you never get the call. And <laughs> That's so, what happens when you call and so, to ask. <laughs> so what, what I realized is that, uh, auditioning is its own skill and letting auditions go, letting them sort of wash off you is another skill. And those are skills that I had learned um, just that had been beaten into me uh, through the voiceover process. So when I went to audition for the daily show, uh, I I wasn't a brilliant correspondent, but I was a, I was a pretty brilliant auditioner Mm. and I was chill. I knew like, I knew how to carry myself. I knew how to, um, I knew to walk into the set with John and not be effusive and like giddy yeah. and weird yeah. and just to be sort of, even if it was, took a lot of work for right. me to act calm because I was so giddy, yeah. uh, on the set. Uh, yo, yeah. To be there. I mean, I, like I, I, oh, I said yeah. before, I was such a huge fan. So to yeah. walk onto that set, it's an intimidating set too. There's something yeah. sleek and beautiful and it's big. A lot of those late night sets are totally. small. This is big. It's yeah. like got a vibe. Um, so you went in and you were pretending to be calm. Yeah. And in, in both that first cattle call round, I, I, I was sort of just chill. There wasn't a lot of stakes, uh, at that point, other than the fact that I really wanted it. Yep. And then, but the second one, I went in to meet with John and that was, it was genuinely terrifying, but also really exciting. And I had this, I think, unearned confidence because of all my, my, background yeah. of thousands of auditions yeah radio shack auditions were preparing you for john stewart auditions. yes right yes and how did you phrase that to the to the kids uh well so i told i that speech was the 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 sort of thesis of that speech was to be a fool in life and so that was one of i think three personal stories i told that are examples of um uh of how to be foolish and i can't remember what <laughs> i can't remember how that was foolish but there was some no it's a good speech it though really because it really tied itself in. it's not interesting to say uh stick to it yeah right like, to say be a fool and then find a creative way to yeah. say that was you being foolish yeah but you're absolutely right i bet the walk in and the sit down or or stand whatever you're doing i'm assuming you're standing mm-hmm. just the vibe the pheromone oh. that you release just on a <laughs> primal ape level. Yeah. John was probably like, I could work with this guy. Well, you start auditioning the second you walk in the room. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that or, or they overcompensate for it. Right. So that's the, Hey, yeah, right. And I, I think that, um, and even when I started on the show, I remember the first field segment I worked on, the producer, uh, was so wonderful and, and warm and helpful. Um, and she was, 
she said to me at a certain point, she pulled me in her office and she goes, um, you need, you need to chill out a little bit. Really? And I was like, what are you talking about? And she was like, well, if you're too excited to be here, it starts to come off like maybe you don't deserve to be here. Yeah. And I, I thought, but I am excited to be here. What's wrong with that? Yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah. This is all positive That's energy. That's put forward. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and she, so even as cool as a cucumber as I'd been in my audition, once I got into the offices and started working there, I was like a goofball yeah. of giddiness. Yeah. And, and, uh, <laughs> and it took this, this producer to just sort of put me in check. And I don't, there's two ways to look at that. One is like, you know, a very cynical thing, which is like, pretend you're not happy because happiness is is dumb and yeah. annoying. Yeah. And then the other way to look, and I don't think it was that. I think it was more um, be professional. Mm-hmm. Be someone who is at the level of everyone here. And, and if you're not there yet, pretend. Yeah. Just pretend to be there. That's your act, acting exercise. It's just to, yeah, exactly. Act, act like you're calm. Yeah. And be calm because it calms mm-hmm. other people down and it gets better work. And I internalized that instantly and I... I de- I definitely sort of pretended for a while that that I was <laughs> cooler than I felt. I'm this person. I'm you. <laughs> yeah. I, in that same way, every set I was on, just like super the excited to be here guy. Yeah, and it's it's really it's weird to look back. I'm sure you were probably a little bit embarrassed when a producer was like, "Relax." But how helpful was that? Yeah, and she was so compassionate about it. And it's it a wasn't, compassionate move. She, she wasn't chastising me. Or, that's what or, I mean. Even yeah. pulling you aside and just being like, let me help you. Yeah. And that's why when I, I often say the free podcast, this is like invaluable advice to anybody going into show business mm-hmm. or really anything. Yeah. Because what I'm interested in auditioning and even acting and, and your time uh, in auditions and on the job, controlling the vibe of the room and subtly bringing it to you. Because you were doing what you were doing, but there's a there's a s- understated confidence to just going like, join me in this, mm-hmm. not to manipulate them, to just create a space. Mm-hmm. You're not just doing the words. You did Ed Helms. You brought Ed Helms to it, and people were attracted to that. Instead of when you're shoving it in their face, they kind of run away. Well, I, I it, what I'm describing is sort of me at my best professionally. I, I think – it's always I'm always kind of slipping back into uh, either kind of that jubilant, overexcited, too much energy or desperate, scared, need to prove something energy of like um, and that can sort of manifest in in a in in a sort of manic energy sometimes, too. And uh and uh, that never goes away. Like that's yeah. that struggle to kind of keep that in check just is is never. Well, you want a little bit of it to energize, sure, and give some give some oomph to yeah. everything you're doing. Yeah. And then and then did you feel? I wonder because you're a rule following dude and you're on this path and you're going to show business, which is kind of like a, a crazy pursuit. When you got things like the office, these like acting things, corresponding. I don't know why, don't, why we don't call it acting. You were a correspondent. You weren't an actor. You were an actor. I'm saying you were an actor. I was acting like a correspondent. Exactly. Yeah. Like Houdini says, you're acting like a magician. But for some reason, that was a correspondent job, I think, in the public's eye. Meaning, then you do The Office, and that's an acting job. Mm-hmm. We're going like, oh, Ed Helms. People were saying, Ed Helms can act. We sure. knew, but now we're watching you act. Well, also, my, char- my character's name on The Daily Show was Ed Helms. Right. 
And that confuses things a lot. This is every, everybody that plays themselves gets yeah. this. Whereas yeah. I, I haven't run into it. Maybe it's because I'm not a good actor and nobody goes, hey, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, they all get accused of being like, uh, you know, you're not really acting because you're just playing yourself. Right. And and maybe you got a little bit of that. Yeah, but I, I – which I never was comfortable with because I felt I always – my Daily Show character was definitely a sort of more dickish version totally, of myself. Totally, totally. And so, so I, I was never quite comfortable with the idea that that this that I used my own name and that it was there was something a little off about that. But yeah, um, can oh go ahead. Yeah, I know you. You go ahead. I, uh, can you speak to field pieces? I can't talk about this enough. Three minutes, two minutes of gold. Took you an entire day of just like duds and lulls and interviews that just didn't even make the piece. What I'm saying is I'm fascinated when I watch Conan do a field piece. And I'm somebody who's done field pieces and so are you. The amount of stuff that's cut and we're just using these brief moments of brilliance to make three minutes. But it was all day or maybe it was three days. Yeah. Can you speak to that? The, the, The skill that you have to go like relax even though... Nobody's there laughing. Like you're doing one of these kind of cheeky interviews and you do this line and the studio audience goes nuts. And in that moment, you're just a guy in a room with another guy in a crew and your heart's beating and you have to you have to have kind of out of body intelligence going, there's this and then there's later. Right. Does that sound right? Sure. Yeah. I think you summed, summed it up perfectly. I didn't. I, I don't, I don't have I much to add. <laughs> <laughs> um, I but, fucked up. I answered the question in, in the in, in the, the asking. Yeah, fuck uh, my face. But I, uh, I blew it. No, you know what was? I I think that the one of the cool things about those field pieces uh, was what incredible training it was for improv because or for improv acting. Yeah. I, I had done lots of improv on stage before at, at Upright Citizens Brigade and all that, but. Um, but sitting in front of a camera and improvising because really the the interviews were like uh, this sort of dance and you're teasing someone and you're you, – you might ask like three really dull, obvious questions to kind of hypnotize them and then throw this like really crazy offensive question <laughs> at them and just – that they then will answer because you're in that rhythm. Yeah. And, Brilliant. Uh, Brilliant. and, and so like there was, there was this – a lot of human behavioral analysis and psychology totally. going on in those field pieces along with the, the, the kind of uh, real-time – uh, adjustments that you'd have to make. Yes. Because you're like, I know I got to get this joke. How am I going to get the person to uh, answer this crazy question honestly? Right. Um, in order to Sandwich hoist. The, how, how can I get them to start hoisting their own petard? Yes. Uh, and and it, was a, it was a lot of, um, I don't know, sort of mental hijinks. But I, it must have been exhausting. <laughs> it was very exhausting. <laughs> And a lot of times fruitless. A lot of times you're working really hard and, and it just never uh, – you're out all day and, and you just don't come back with – I think I had on my whole run there probably two or three field pieces that just got killed because yeah. you just Brutal. Didn't, didn't come back with enough. No, I've had that happen too. It's just, yeah. One of the first things Conan had me do was we went to – I forget, Dodger Stadium or something, shot all day. Gone. Nothing. Gone. Yeah. A couldn't, lost day. Couldn't find it. One <laughs> um, <laughs> of the worst feelings. I will say too, though, as someone you know, what we were talking about earlier with the um, 
trying to do better, just trying to be a better person and all that. There was something about a lot of those field pieces that was going against the grain of my uh, eagerness to what? Be sweet. Be kind. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes oh. e- even, even if I'm interviewing a reprehensible person, yeah. I don't have it in me to like, I don't enjoy the act of like overtly ridiculing. You're somebody. Jesus with the thieves. And Your instinct <laughs> is to go, "Can I sit with this person as a person?" Yeah. Instead of and, thinking and, about like, "How'd you steal all that shit?" Yeah. And, and I and probably three out of five times, I'd be sitting in an interview with somebody, and maybe they were a really weird, toxic person with a crazy point of view. But I would still be thinking like, gosh, I kind of wish I was a real journalist right yeah, now because yeah. I really want to dissect this with this person right. and get it and really understand what they right. – how they think and why. But I'm not a real journalist. I have a game I have to play and a yeah. script I have to stick to. That they don't even know they're playing really. And, yeah. Well, they usually, kind of do. usually they do know that they're playing a game. They're, they're, they just overestimate their own – uh, d- defense mechanisms yeah. and their own ability to yeah. handle it. Yeah. That that was actually – the people who knew the show the best were often the easiest to uh, to kind of like hoist on their own petard because they would – They went in cocky. They were cocky. And they, and, and, and they don't even consider the fact that you have – you get to walk away and sit with the footage for two weeks and use whatever part yeah. of it you yeah. want. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you have the final say. They don't. Right. And it's a it's a rigged game, and not in a bad way. I'm not saying you took it advantage. Very I'm rigged. just saying this is rigged. Listen, I'll say it. Uh, we took advantage uh, <laughs> uh, sometimes, and but it's another thing you're doing. What are the chances that a guy who did a Colbert impression, your words, <laughs> I'm not accusing you of that. <laughs> you did a great audition reading a Colbert piece. Could also audition well, but then could all in person, and then could also play nine games at once in the hot seat. Like, it's just a strange thing that you were able, you know, you kept getting a little bit more responsibility. We're going to go do a field piece. You're going to interview this guy. You're going to suppress your desire to people, please, and to be a nice guy and leave with that person really thinking you're a neato fella. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be thinking about how's it playing in this room. And you're going to be thinking about how's it going to play in the edit. And how's it going to play when we air it. It's like a, it's a very sophisticated, multi-tiered game. They didn't know that when you read Cold. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> Stephen Colbert. It just worked out. Your skills were there. Did you think you would be able to do it? It seems like you probably had a I, sense. I, I I knew the sh- like I said, I knew the show so well. I'd seen probably every episode that since John got on it. Yeah, and uh, and I knew the correspondence so well. I knew their bits, their timing, their because it's a uh, it's a and, music and and I yeah. yeah and I wasn't I I really it's. Again, that was one of those things where I didn't realize at the time, but I was just – I was preparing to audition mm. by studying the show so much. Mm-hmm. And I would I would watch it sometimes twice a night. And I think uh, – w- so when the audition happened, the tools were there. Like it was that one of those sort of like you know Olympic athlete things of like don't freak out. Trust your training. Tr- yeah. Trust that you know what to do yeah. and just let your body do it. The and, small and there was, there was the big one. something to that. Uh, for me with with that show in particular the office similar i i was a massive fan of that show i knew the timing i knew the 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 kind of cadence and yeah. the the world so when i went to meet with greg daniels about this because on paper this, it might not be a joke it might just be like i like football yeah but like the way the guileless way your character would say it 
it's a joke. And you yeah. knew that going in. You met with Greg Daniels. Yeah. Well, I, so I joined on season three. So I I had a there was there were a bunch of episodes for me to to kind of steep in uh, before joining the show and I, or even talking with with Greg Daniels, who was the showrunner and creator of the American version. Um, I, I when I went to sit with him, I knew what I was talking about. Mm. Um, it's so fun. Yeah, and I. I don't know what I'm talking about a lot, <laughs> you know, and, and that's how I knew that 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 this was like a good fit, right? Because I actually, you ever, you, I guess it's sort of like when athletes talk about being in the zone, yeah, you know, like where everything's just working, totally. and and uh, and there are really a, only a few professional experiences where I f- have felt like this is what I'm supposed to be doing because, because it comes naturally and I'm eager to do it and I love it and I understand it. I don't have questions about it. I get it. Right. And that's a rare, that is a rare thing. And I, I don't take it for granted. Yeah. Um, my first, it's funny, my first year or so on the daily show was like that. Then I went through this sort of confidence dip and I really started to question how I was doing and why, and what things got complicated. Reviews? No. I, I don't know. I, it sounds like what your mom would guess. Did you read a bad review? Yeah. <laughs> How do I turn on the Have TV? you read my reviews? <laughs> um. Your mom's hot blog. <laughs> uh, do you know what it was? Sometimes when, uh, when you're hitting golf balls, you start thinking about it too much, and you and you suck at hitting golf balls. Well, you know what? I how I described it at the time was, and I really think that we're you know we talked earlier about sort of the tides of mm-hmm. of uh, in and out with. Social media, where sometimes I want to be out there more, and sometimes I really want to be kind of pulled back or even hiding from from the world. Totally. And um, and I think for s- somehow, like after the honeymoon period at the Daily Show, um, I I started to feel like there I'd had an uh, I had a, a lot of segments go great, but I'd had some that went not great, mm. and um, and I started to feel like. Now I have something to lose. Mm. Like if I mess this up, then I'm off the Daily Show, and that's terrifying to me. And I kind of let that chew on my brain a little too totally. much. Totally. And um, you start thinking about what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I I lost the that kind of the I came in with a certain amount of arrogance, and I sort of took that not arrogance, but just overconfidence. Yeah. But um, it was helpful. It was very. It was necessary. Helpful, necessary overconfidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and then and then with I with restraint that you kept in a jar, but you had it. <laughs> yeah. when you needed it, because yeah. it's a preposterous thing to say John Stewart's in there. I'm going to go in and read with him, and I'm going to nail it, and I'm going to nail it. Yeah, it's That's it fucking is, crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> yeah, but you needed to do it. And a year later, I started to go. Okay, John Stewart's in the studio downstairs. This is my script. I'm going to go down in the studio. I might fuck it up. Yeah. And I don't know why, but I I just kind of started to I know why. turn on myself a little. I've had yeah. those seasons where you go I, – I remember watching this. I was in a, like a low stand-up point, and I was watching The Simpsons, and it was the crusty episode where he becomes a stand-up. And it was making me nervous just going, oh, you can bomb. You can bomb. Like, like yeah. I never thought about the bomb. <laughs> yeah. Like you don't push your boat off thinking about crashing, right? And now I'm like getting on stage going, this could be the big bomb. Yeah. Like, and it becomes very – frightening and then you obsess on that instead of maybe you just ran out of gas on the overconfidence i I just think that these things are you know years later now i mean that was what 2003 or four at this point i 
I now look back and I just I just see cycles of confidence, fear, I confidence, fear, and it's sort of like. And now when I'm in a place of fear, I'm a little less. Uh, like I know that I will emerge and I kind of – You wait I, it out. I try to wait it out and I try to maybe minimize my uh, – the any any situations where my fear is really going to compromise my, uh, my professionalism or yeah. my um, – what, or whatever. <laughs> I, I just – I know that if that when my confidence is waning, it's a good time to pull back. Yeah. And uh and I can't but I'm just as mystified by it as anybody. Yeah. It's sometimes it's there and sometimes Well, this is what Thoreau would say the, the clue is in the nature. We're back to nature because we look at nature and there's the shedding, there's fall. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good time to plant. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And you just have to acknowledge right. that it's a season. Yeah. And I think what I'm hearing is that performer's maturity going it's okay. It doesn't always have to be harvest time. Yeah. When we're young, we're like, harvest! Yes. Harvest! Absolutely. And now, I think we're similar age. It's just you're kind of like, it's okay. Yeah. I'm, sometimes I'll just say to Val, I'm like, I'm just going through a really anxious time. Like, yeah. I'm very anxious. Yes. That's, and it's, and it's that, okay. That's a, I think that is like, you're getting close to the sort of, you're, you're on the asymptote of enlightenment. <laughs> when you can say... Uh, some joke. when you can say, uh, that when you can have that sort of mindfulness or, or awareness outside of, of yourself, yeah, of, of your circumstances and be like, okay, now how do I work with this? Or, right. or what do I need to, maybe I need to go be in a cabin by myself for like yeah. a while so that I don't torch these relationships in my <laughs> life or or torch these professional opportunities or whatever yeah. um what's well, surrender too it, it, it's instead of pushing against it which is another way it's got you like yeah. a big rock and you push against it yeah. and you are pushing the rock away but it's now it's really leaning against you you give it a little momentum if you let go it's going to crush you yeah as opposed to just going there's a boulder i'm, I'm not going to touch it i'm just going to acknowledge it i suppose mm-hmm. like it's a it's a like you ed helms go it's a stressful time for ed Sure. <laughs> right. Hey, Ed, why don't we just sit back a little bit? Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, can I talk about my, my Comedy Central special? I would love it. Please. Because you, they, cause I'm weirdly, so glad you're here and I'd love to hear about it. So I'm, I'm kind of, uh, uh, you know, ham-fistedly jamming it into our chat. But That's it, it's my also, fault. That, this is my failure as uh, a host because it came up organically. <laughs> right at the top. Uh, right at the top. Yeah. No, no, it's great. It's bookends. Yes, it's, it's like, bookends. Um, but uh, but it, it's weirdly very relevant to a lot of what we're talking about because um, the the show is uh, – it's the, the fake news with Ted Nelms. And uh, it's um, – great, great title. Thank you. And it's and leaning into the fake news. Uh, yeah. Brilliant. So it's a it's it's a one hour special. It's basically like if Monty Python did uh, an episode of Anderson Cooper 360. Like oh, wow. it's just totally silly made up news <laughs> delivered in a totally silly, ridiculous way, anchored by a totally silly, ridiculous made up character who kind of resembles. Oh, you are playing Ted. Yeah, I'm Ted Nelms. <laughs> it's not a joke. You're not like, hi, I'm Ed Helms. We fucked up with the title. <laughs> you go, no, I'm Ted. No, I'm Ted Nelms. And and by the way, remember we were talking <laughs> on the Daily Stop Show. Stop saying Ted Nelms. <laughs> it's so funny the number of times. Uh, I'm Ted Nelms. I'm, I'm Ted I'm Nelms. Ted. I'm Ted. <laughs> it's very funny. Uh, it, 
that that thing on the Daily Show where like where my using my actual name never quite felt right. Mm. I love being Ted Nelms on this show because <laughs> uh, because I can be outside of myself and be a little bit sillier and weirder yeah. and um, and the show is very deadpan kind of lots of gravitas and just mixed with abject silliness. Mm. Um, all the news stories are made up. It, it sort of exists in the in real our world? world. Yes, yeah, it's it is in our world. It's in our world, but 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 made made up. Yeah, I love it. It's yeah. Is this uh, something you could see? Ted Nelms is a huge hit. Is this something? Could we get you back in a in a regular way, like a weekly day? Way? Oh, if it's a hit, yeah, I, I would say. I'm just saying, are you open to that? yes? Yeah, I think if it's if it goes great, then uh, and we're having a ton of fun. We're editing right now, and I'm, yeah. I'm very excited about it. But awesome. um, if if that doesn't mean it'll catch the zeitgeist right. wave, but right, right, right. if it does, then this is us. Uh, by the way, putting the Burger King audition out of our minds. Yeah. Let it roll right. out. You, yeah. you, you do the work because you do the work. Right. Clocks tell time. Ed Helms makes comedy. There you go. And, and, you're uh, gonna, and if it hits, I, I would love to see you in that capacity. I, I think it would be fun to do. I, I like that it's a special, and it would be fun to do maybe a couple of years or something. Yeah. But who knows? I, it's it's a little early for that. Um, yeah. But it's a it's an exciting and necessary time. You know, The Daily Show, very relevant right now. Colbert, right? Fucking crushing. Is it weird to crushing. feel so proud of Colbert? No. Like you're just like something yeah. terrible will happen, and you're like, "Well, Colbert is going to do something." Well, all those guys, Seth Meyers yeah. and and yeah. Uh, and Trevor Noah, and uh, even Bill Maher, and um, and of course John Oliver mm-hmm. and Samantha B. There's mm-hmm. so much. We have a deep bench. Yeah, uh, there's yeah. just incredible stuff. Oreo pizza. That's my <laughs> Oliver. <laughs> I just I can't hear it without saying um, it. Well, I will say. Oh, even and even Weekend Update. Those guys yeah. are are killing yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I think that what's what's sort of fun and different about this show is that all of those shows are real people using their real names, mm-hmm. telling jokes about real news. Mm-hmm. Our show is totally fake. It's a totally fake universe. I'm a fake person. Mm talking about fake news where there's no there's no kind of snarky commentary right it's just all fiction that's why he said monty python it's yeah like, exactly it's fun yeah it's silly it's, it's it's not gonna get my pulse rate up yeah. in a really weird way right. right yeah sometimes i'm watching john oliver and, it's a lean and, back show right <laughs> you don't have to lean forward like <laughs> yeah. you can lean back uh sometimes i'm watching those a lot of those those news satire shows and i'm kind of like uh Oh, that's that's so funny. That is so funny. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not really laughing. I know. <laughs> but because I'm feeling something. Sometimes that's... it's brilliant or clever yeah. or like, wow. Right. And those are the things that I see passed around. But you're going for ha ha ha. We're right. going for just <laughs> chuckles. And I and they're, they're, that's not to say we that's don't have some. That's a great slogan. We're going for chuckles. Yeah, we're going for chuckles. <laughs> uh, which isn't to say there isn't some, you're so some satirical teeth in there. Yeah. yeah. But, oh, I uh, thought you were going to say, not to say that what the other guys aren't. Oh. Yeah, it is super. Yeah, so, yeah. I I couldn't love those guys more. I right. mean, they're well. Now many I mean, of them are personal friends of mine, and I sure. adore them and their work. Um, and this is a sort of a separate, yes, different thing. I'm ex- well. You've you've created the itch. Like like you want to see it. Like this it sounds very very interesting. Are there trailers and stuff that we can watch now? Not yet. Um, Soon. 
very very soon. It, it's going to be on December thirteenth, so it's right. Oh, wow. It's right around the corner. Oh, that's great! Yeah. Well, congrats. Thank you so much. That let's uh, in in the interest of your time, we always we kind of touched on it. We always talk about the meaning of <laughs> the meaning of life. Mm-hmm. Listen, <laughs> but I always want to be like, relax. We're not going to figure anything out. Let's just talk about it today. <laughs> okay. And talking about the seasons of how we feel and all that, how do you feel about what, what is what's what's going on? You can talk about how you were raised uh, religiously or not, how you view the world now. Uh, often a way in is what what you think happens when you die, or, or, or is there something? Is there an organizing principle? Is there a consciousness behind this? Is it, or is it just kind of a swirl of atoms that also miraculously came into a, a supremely and fundamentally materialist, materialist universe? I want to transcribe that question and, and post it on the wall of my bedroom and read it every morning. That is uh, – That's the question. That is like the most sort of – I don't know if, if it's calming or just a, a, a very incendiary dynamite stick in, in the in, – in, of existential angst. Uh, but I – Can't it be both? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, well, let's see. Um, uh, I'm not a religious person, but I do, I kind of feel like the golden rule is, is the, the most kind of, the the most beautiful sentiment and the, and the, the thing that we should all strive for Mm -hmm. do unto others as you would have them do unto (laughs) you. Uh, it is so simple, and um, of course, if you're a sadistic, violent sociopath um, who also happens to be a masochist, right. that might not. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't work. That could he's not. Like I'm just following the golden rule. Yeah, he's like, would someone please kidnap me? <laughs> I'm just waiting to be kidnapped. Exactly. Yeah. But ex- aside from those uh, rare, everything has exceptions. Yeah. You have to account for them. Right. Everything's a little more complex than you want it to be. Right. But um, but it is to me the most fundamental thing, and and I've even heard you know religious people that I grew up with would say like, well, if you don't if you don't subscribe to a, um, you know, to a doctrine of some sort, like where do you derive your morals from? Mm. And I just to me that was never a complicated question. It's it's uh, it's, it's just naturally it's occurring just the, empathy. The, yeah, it's the golden rule. Yeah. Like, how is it more complicated than that? And no, I I, I always flinch and twinge when people are like if there was no I talked to Pendulat, had this great conversation with him he's on crashing part part of the conversation is on the show and he's just like I don't believe in God and I've raped and killed everyone I've ever wanted to rape and kill which is no people right which is no right like I kind of I hate when well-meaning religious people of all different faiths are like I need it otherwise what's stopping me from doing this atrocious thing I'm like well, hopefully, some outside of yourself awareness that mm-hmm. you've cultivated through basic existence mm-hmm. that when someone took your sandwich, it hurt you, mm-hmm. and you don't. And we we have this inexplicable inert desire to not hurt other people. It's not practical, you know what I mean? It doesn't just make the world go round. Mm-hmm. It's in us, and th- and I don't think we need to fear hell or fear judgment. To, to feel that. Like, so I'm with you. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, it's not, it's just not that complicated. It's not that complicated. Right. The other part of that, 
this is we're quoting Jesus now as as he says love uh love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself obviously love your neighbor as yourself is the golden rule the first part is love the Lord your God which is the idea of have a reverence for something larger than yourself uh do you have any sort of way of thinking about that unthinkable thing what what spawned the singularity the big bang what put this into motion and i'm not saying Something can't come from nothing. Let's just say, like, what what is what is keeping Ed Ed right now? We're mm. all made of the same stuff, but there you are, stuck in there. Here I am, stuck in here. <laughs> What's going on? Well, I think that uh, I think the only thing that's kind of keeping a lid on my sanity is is that I willfully ignore those questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hope I'm not fucking up your day. But that's a great answer. Buddha said, "What what concern of it is? Uh, what concern is it of yours?" That was yeah. like his answer to a lot of those. Things. Yeah. So that well, is a well, fine I, d- I do actually find. I remember having a. Uh, I worked with this makeup artist for for a long time, and he was a wonderful guy. Um, and he, uh, he, I remember getting into a conversation with him about, um, he was a, he was kind of a searcher, you mm-hmm. know, looking for, and he was kind of subscribing to a few different, uh, belief systems or, or trying to find this thing. And I, and he, I remember saying like, you know, I, and he was like, well, wh- where are you at with this stuff? And I, I just <laughs> said, I, I just don't think that. You should be using the pencil under my eyes. Use the sponge. <laughs> like you just completely get ignore rid it. of my eye bags. That's what I think you should be doing. <laughs> Through scalding hot coffee, Adam. Um, no, but I just said I, I don't. I feel like a lot of that stuff's unknowable, and that's okay. And that did not sit well with him. Yeah. It was like, well, don't you need to know? And I, I, I guess I feel sort of lucky that I don't feel this need need to know or understand it. And I actually think it's it. This comes up. Um, this is how I look at astrology. Mm. So astrology is like this this sort of grand equation of planetary placement and and how how stars are aligning and and how the cosmos is shaped and where objects are in space at any given time. Mm-hmm. And according to where those objects are in space, certain uh, it, it, if where what time of year you're born. You know, the, mm-hmm. what sign you're under uh, ascribes certain traits to you or certain events will happen in a certain sequence. It's know, order and chaos. Yes. And and the way I look at that is um, it's it, – uh, I'm not arrogant enough to say that's stupid. I couldn't <laughs> – I wouldn't say like you're wrong. But what I – but what I do think is that you don't – we don't know. Mm. We can't – like I do think it's arrogant to say like you're sure that that's the way it is, and I and that's why I I don't uh, I'm if not you, gonna, I'm not going to be signing up for for astrology anytime soon because right. I I just don't think like yeah all that stuff sounds pretty good but like you don't know it right it's it's pretty good and that's why you can take some some insights from from it you can take some insights from Buddhism Christianity anything. Um, but not – I just get – you lose me as soon as you say this is the way it is yeah. because that to me is a, is a thing you just – that fundamentally we can't know. Yeah. And, the, and, and it starts with being okay with that. Yeah. Oh, I think that's very profound. I love that answer. It, it goes back to the nature thing. Like I say, taking photos of nature. We want to hold on to things. So I sympathize with your makeup artist friend because I often – catch myself, what Ramdas says is we want to know, but not only do we want to know, we want to know that we know. 
You know, it's like, right, right. so you want the, fo- I went to the Ni- Niagara Falls, but I also want to be able to prove that I went there with an egg drone photo. Uh-huh. You know <laughs> what I mean? So it's like, you're saying something I think that's quite beautiful, which is we can't know. So what's all this trying to know business? Where is the surrender and just kind of enjoying the I don't know? That seems to be the human experience. Right. Although I, I, I want to be clear, there's not a baked in judgment for, pe- totally. for, for people who who believe that they know. Right. I just don't believe that these things are are no, knowable no. Uh, and and I certainly don't know them. Well, I'm not actually, I'm not wired to know them. It's funny because I think maybe you're worried that you sound anti-religion or something. I actually think that's quite pro God because what kind of god can you hold completely in your brain? Mm-hmm. Like that's just not a god worth worshipping. Yeah. And that's why God is mystery. Richard Rohr says the only appropriate name for God is mystery. Mm-hmm. But the fun thing and maybe – see, it gets a little bit materialized into something you can have and hold and show and brag about, spiritual mm-hmm. materialism. But really when we start kind of – the way I sympathize with your friend is what I want more than knowing is a way of communing with the pulse of existence. Mm-hmm. So you book The Daily Show. This is just a fun way to think about it. Big day in your life. Is there a gratitude system in play? I'm not saying we need to turn it into – anthropomorphize it into God and be like, thank you, this God. But do you have a feeling of like – of all the ways things could go, it's going this way? Because that gratitude is one of the ways that we sure. kind of commune with whatever's, whatever is. I'm, I'm, or this- when someone dies, do you have a feeling of like this, this is – this is part of the game we're playing. Right. This, is, this is teaching me something. That, that that is a really interesting question, and I think that has very that has evolved a lot for me. At that time, when I got on the Daily Show, um, believe it or not, even coming out of Oberlin and 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 moving to New York City and being a really sort of progressive minded person, around in my mid twenties, I just happened to read Atlas Shrugged, mm. and I really liked it. And uh, I think I I didn't know a lot of the the kind of um, I, I wasn't I hadn't been steeped in kind of all of the uh, the the things that are attached to it and ascribed to it and all of and you went in cold. I, I, I went in cold and I I I liked what I got out of it was um, if you work hard and you keep your head down you can. Uh, you can really advance yourself. Mm-hmm. And I love that idea. Uh, and so I think that was my approach to voiceovers, to stand up, to grinding it out in the clubs every night. And keep your head um, just keep your head down. It's one of the best pieces Be- of advice I've ever been given. Yeah. And I, um, I think since then, and so to answer your question, when the, when the Daily Show happened, there was a, there was an, I think an eagerness to sort of take credit for it myself mm. and kind of thank myself for, for working hard and keeping my head down. I love it. And, um, and in a very, and what it's funny cause I, that, that was a, that's a, that's sort of a conservative idea mm. and that I, it's like very captain America. It's, <laughs> well, it's, well, it's very pro. It's very kind of re- the Republican, uh, 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 doctrine of like right the um, government didn't help me get this yeah i did it myself yeah and um and it's pro capitalism like you just do your thing right. and uh work hard and be 
honest and all that stuff. And that's great. And I did all that and I am proud to have done it. And I am, and I, I think I do deserve some credit and I'm happy to give myself some, but in the, in the years since I am so much more aware of, of the circumstances, the, 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 that I, you know, not to sound trite, but the privileges that I had and the, the, all of the, the advantages that I had um, and the things that I completely took for granted right. uh, and all of the things outside of myself. You're Oberlinning yourself. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, but I, but uh, the difference between being I, I'm not I'm, – I'm trying not to shit on myself right. for that. I'm just saying that, um, that I have a much broader appreciation for uh, – you know, having the ability to move to New York City after college, having the ability, having some family in New York City that 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 was like an anchoring right. thing for me there. Having uh, also the timing n- of it, not having college loans to pay back. All, right. Right. All, I mean, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. So many things that that I I now look back on and and I just didn't even consider. I really. I think at a time I was really psyched to get the show, and I kind of gave myself a little bit yeah. too much credit. I'm, I do, I, I don't, I'm not trying to pull the rug out from under the hard work I did either. I, I it's both, it's both, it's both. Yeah, it's but that's com- it's a little more complex. What I would say and, is when Ed thanks Ed, I don't see much difference between that and Ed thanking God. <laughs> I see it all as a piece of the same stuff. Well, I think I, I think that it's um, that there. In that at that time, I was a, eager to take a little more credit than I think, hmm. and it, because and the reason I say that is because I remember looking around the at at uh, looking around at other people coming up or trying to make things work and just being like, "Hey, what's your problem, man? Just work harder. Hmm. You hmm. work harder, and you'll get you'll get successful." Mm-hmm. And that's doesn't always work that way, right? And that's a pretty simplistic. Well, two and straight white men talking about their success. Ex- it's, it's very tricky. That That is – This is something that I've tried to wake up to. Yeah. It's like, oh, just go yeah. do an open mic. Yeah. Hey, you six-foot-six white guy. <laughs> like, exactly. I mean how many correspondents on The Daily Show – and I'm not putting it down. How many Latina women were on The Daily – again, how many Latina women were on any show? At that time, by yes. the way, you, it, more than ever. You're right. right. And it was uh, – uh, it, it just – I now have a greater appreciation. I, I think I'm more – so now when I have a success, like something that I'm eager to find uh, a place to sort of give thanks, it's to a larger uh, – it's to something bigger than just my own motivation and my own uh, hard work. It's it's That's part of it, but it's also to the circumstances that mm-hmm. that have kind of allowed me to, to be there mm-hmm. and to get – to get to the sort of um, to get to the starting line of something. I mean, the, there's there's a great metaphor. Uh, I, a teacher was trying. I read the, about a teacher who was trying to teach his kids about kind of advantage and privilege, and and he put gave everyone a wadded up piece of paper and said, "Throw it in the trash can," and only the kids on the front row get it in the trash can. Mm-hmm. And it's because. And it's it's just, to me it's a great yeah. metaphor. It's like people start at different places on this on the continuum of right. of success. And if you start really close to success, it doesn't take as much to and get there. What's funny about that is it, uh, obviously blacks have been oppressed in our country, and the basketball kind of analogy of that it goes meaning there could be a kid in the back 
getting it in. And then it's like, okay, you can come to the front. So it's kind of funny that basketball <laughs> for a lot of underprivileged black men became like a way to get around that. Uh, or we valued that skill. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, not metaphorically. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting. You're talking about circumstance and life. And as I get older and the more reading I do and whatever, the more my understanding of God broadens. Meaning, so when I say thank God, the first thing, so you get something and we thank God. Let's say just now. Let's not talk about old Ed, this Ed. Um, Richard Rohr, Falling Upward, maybe my favorite book. He says, it's not his quote. He says, God comes to us disguised as our lives. So when it's like we thank God, it's kind of worth thanking like a huge mosaic of experiences, lucky things, circumstantial things. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. your ability to emerge into the lane that Ed was meant for. The the guy that was good at keeping his head down and following rules, learning from micro auditions that led to big auditions that led all the right timing and all the nuance of that. So instead of thanking some guy who's up there greasing palms and like opening doors, you're just kind of like awe for life and what it's showing you and giving you. For the gestalt of it all. Exactly. I thank the gestalt. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Why give it a name? So when I hear you be like, I don't want to name it and I don't want to talk about what sign I'm under, I'm thanking the mystery. And even that sounds bullshit. Mm-hmm. So let's not even say it. Let's just quietly be reverent and grateful without giving it too many labels and trying to get other people to think and talk the way that we think and talk. And then we both just turn into sand. Do we say amen now? (laughs) (laughs) See, that would be telling people how to think and talk. (laughs) I wish I could just turn into sand. That would be a better way to end the podcast. Because because we always get a little bit heady, um, we like to end silly, like your show, which is called Fake News with Ted Nelms. Yes. And it airs December 13th, 13th, 12, 13, 17. If only it was 2014, it would be 12, 13, 14. Anyway, uh, can you remember a time in your life that you laughed really, really hard? Oh, yeah. Let's see. Um, you, could, you could upgrade the question, but it adds more pressure. The hardest in your life. But just any time. And I always say, I'm not looking for, like, a great story. I opened the door, and it was yeah. my dad. And right, 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 right. I'm just like, when you think of yourself crying yes. with laughter, Yes, okay, one of, one of the hardest times I've ever laughed. I mean, there, there were so many times on, on the set of The Office that we <laughs> – that people just would – we would break because yes. there are so many funny people on that show. Um, Steve Carell being arguably one of the funniest people <laughs> – Alive in the world, in the entire I know. world. I know. And uh, and there was an, a Christmas episode where he plays Santa <laughs> Claus. He he plays dresses up like Santa Claus, and he tries to get. Uh, he asks Phyllis to come sit on his lap, and then he is really bad at hiding how painful that is. <laughs> and um, and. Oh, uh, and being and saying and he's being kind of like, like he's he's just sort of like not handling it well, um, and he there was something about his performance. The entire cast was in the in the bullpen at the mo- at that time. Every take, everyone lost it, and Steve, who's the most professional, 
you know, badass actor ever. He hardly ever breaks, especially mm. at his own stuff. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I, I felt so bad for him because every take he did was so brilliant and everyone lost it every single time. Uh. And I, I'm in the background of one of the shots and you can see me duck out of frame because I am – you're about to I'm ruin crying. it. And, this, and that was probably like take 11 at that point. <laughs> what is he saying? He's just uh, – he's just – like Phyllis sits in his lap and he just starts saying like, oh, God. <laughs> you know, and, and, and there's just something about his energy of and his course. performance. and It's those severe people. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I don't mean severe in a bad way. Will Ferrell uh, and Steve Carell have that like – this guy could also be selling me insurance. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like, and if you sign here, like, yeah. But even if they were doing that, right. you'd be laughing. Yeah. There's a twinkle, and, and uh, there's and a twinkle. To Who have the fuck a, have I become? <laughs> <laughs> but just to have a front row seat to that. Yeah. I mean, it it just, it, and to have had the the been able to enjoy all whatever ten eleven takes of it. Yeah. Um. I love that's it. one of the hardest I've ever laughed. I love it. I. You're reminding me we did this web series called Kid Farm. It was making fun of 18 Kids and Counting. I was playing the dad. And uh, I don't know why for some reason. And I do laugh at my own shit. I'm the worst. (laughs) I decided that this character calls strawberries strawbers. Uh (laughs) It wasn't in the script. and And I was buying my son a bicycle. And I was trying to say... And this one has a basket, which you can fill with anything. You can put a bunch of strawberries in. <laughs> and we, it got to that wonderful – Valerie and I always watch – we've watched outtakes from The Office. We just love outtakes. got to that wonderful point where it wasn't even saying strawberries. It was anticipation knowing that strawberries was coming. <laughs> exactly. And, you're just like, and uh, this ba- – <laughs> yeah. and you just like can't, yes. can't yeah. say it. I don't of- know – a couple of takes in, like you just know what's coming, yes. and you're gonna, and you can't keep. So it here together. comes Phyllis, and she's about to sit, and you're just like, "This is, I can't." Yeah, I can't do it. You just, <laughs> you lose yourself, uh, and that, and comedy helps us all step outside of ourselves, and in that, everyone's gone, and you add, you're wasting the day, yeah, you're wasting and, money, yeah, and you shouldn't be doing it, and you're that's being bad. That was like uh, Zach Galifianakis is the worst at. <laughs> Anytime you tell him not to laugh, like he will just start giggling nonstop. And on the set of The Hangover, there were many times where it'd be like something would happen, Zach would start to giggle, and then Todd, the director, would be like, "Come on, we gotta, we gotta get this." And then Zach would keep giggling. And the more pressure, the higher pressure the situation, the more giggling. And then I start giggling, and and Bradley's it just was like. A kind of like avalanche because there's something – it's like that being in a church pew yeah, and you, you're not allowed to laugh. And well, of that's, course, that's all you can do. That's, that's all answer. you can do. His answer when he did this podcast, which he called a Godcast, <laughs> was um, – his. I, I, I love retelling it. I mean listen to the episode. I'm telling the listeners if they want to. But it was, it was his dad in church trying to get his candle lit. Uh-huh. There was a candle service, and at the end of like Silent Night or whatever, they blow it out. Oh, that's great! And as soon as he got it lit, <laughs> everyone blew theirs out, and he just—I mean, you can't even—and like a, a small boy, so beardless, mm. I'm guessing soft Galifianakis, yeah. 
weeping red with laughter yeah. makes me feel joy. He Zach is one of the all time greatest gigglers. Like I when he it. when he gets when when, when he gets chuckling, <laughs> it is the most infectious <laughs> thing. And what a sweetheart! I I know he was like kind of conflicted. I bet I have to assume, and I, I, this is tricky, but like. These the Hangover trilogy was the biggest movies ever, like up there with the biggest, most popular movies ever. Did that? I know Zach kind of reeled against it a little bit. I mean, now you you can't go to the Mall of America, and <laughs> you know what I mean. I do I you not feel that way. I, I don't feel caged in by by celebrity. Oh, great. I, I I sort of. I mean, sometimes you really have to choose to just get out there and understand. I will say celebrity has been a really uh, kind of uh, a lesson in letting go because all of a sudden uh, you just, you have so what's different is before people recognize you, uh, you can, you have a lot of control over your environment. Mm. If it's uncomfortable, you can walk away. If it's, if there's something weird going on, you can go to another place. Mm -hmm. But if you're, um, a lot of times if you're a celebrity and you're waiting for your luggage at a baggage carousel and some weird guy starts coming up yelling at you how awesome the hangover is and then 20 other people turn and look and they're like, oh, that's the guy from the hangover and the crowd guys run. You have no control over that. Yeah. And uh, you can run away. and <laughs> Get on the carousel. <laughs> yeah. But um, – <laughs> See you later, suckers. But, but you it's probably really yeah. <laughs> eat it. You just go to another group of people, <laughs> just, and they're just walking along next to you, like we're, we're still here, Ed. What, what, what are you doing? Um, and uh, but you, uh, but you know, you could run away, but maybe you you have to get your baggage, so yeah, you yeah, have yeah. to wait. Yeah, and um, and it's been it's forced me to kind of look at those situations, and be like, well. Well, what's the big deal? Like, what's the worst fallout of this? Like, a bunch of people gather around, and then I get my suitcase, and I can leave. And that's okay. And I think just finding peace with uh, a certain amount of, like... What's the harm? Uncertainty and, okay. and being okay with that. Right. Um, that's been a pretty valuable lesson. Isn't in, that great? And uh, in letting go. Try Just accepting that how little control... God we, comes we, to us disguised as our lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a profound lesson to learn. Yeah, for from sure. From a weird thing. Yeah. Even though celebrity isn't relatable, what you're saying is relatable. It's like at a certain point, you just have to be like, could that happen? Yes. Yes. I'm going to the M&M store. Yeah. I want some fucking peanut m Right. I want to go. I want. I go to malls all the time. Like, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I usually, with a hat on, I'm, sure. I'm pretty average looking guy. I don't yeah, think yeah. I get. I get recognized, but I'm not hounded. It's not or, a problem. Yeah. It's not I mean, it can be, but it really isn't. Right. Most Is it the mostly the hangover? I'm curious. You've done some uh, I would say fifty fifty, the office and the hangover. Yeah, because when you're on network TV And then one percent Cedar Rapids. Yeah, I was just gonna say <laughs> how often it's a great poster. It's a great poster, great movie. People are gonna watch Cedar Rapids. I know, now. It's coming back. It's coming I back. I love it. Everything oh, about it. This the the drunkenness. People are gonna watch Cedar Rapids now, which makes me happy. Because it's a, it's one of my favorite movies. Well, I appreciate I'm the one, that very I am much. the 1%. The 1% of the 1%. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you shout at me. I, when I see you in public, you shout at me. Hey, Cedar Rapids! Cedar Rapids! Dim Lippy! Yeah. Dim Lippy! Lippy! Hey, Lippy! <laughs> that was my job, um, too, Riley. Can I, uh, can I 
fanboy for a second? Because sure. I have a weird question for you. Hit it. Uh, so on your show, Crashing, yeah. there are a lot of scenes at the Boston Comedy Club yes. in New York. Tell me you played there. I, I emceed there. I emceed there. I, I ran the Monday Night New Talent Showcase for years. I was what? like – yeah, that was like my jam. If you're in New York, uh, if we get a third season and we have that set, you have to come. The set blew my mind. It'll because blow your the mind. comedy club is gone. It's gone. And I saw it on your show and I was like, what? that's the Boston. But How did they do it? I can't see you're you're one of the few that will understand the it's not it's not uh pride, really. It's just awe that we rebuilt the club that I struggled in. Yeah. And was so the first time I walked in my stomach dropped. Because I was so, I was never comfortable there. Oh, wow. So now we're shooting scenes and it's like normal now. Yeah. Dave Chappelle, who used to come in all the time. Of course. Like, you rebuild the Boston. Like, like people it's, came out it's of the incredible. woodwork to be like, what the fuck did you do? I, I, but I if you out. can, come to the set because you will, I you'll would, never forget it. I would love to see it because yeah. I, I, I saw it on the show and I turned to my wife and I was like, Maybe it's still there. Like yeah. they changed the like like it's gone in the front. Like the facade is different. Yeah. There's a restaurant where it was, but like yeah, it's maybe restaurant. it's still in the there somehow. Because well, that's a testament to Amy, our set designer. She they killed yeah. it. They, it is they perfect. It. It's perfect. There's and by the way, subtle matters to no one but us. I know. That's why I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. either you really care or you don't care at all. A lot of people probably think we made it up. What an absurd thing to make up the it's Boston comedy the Boston club in, in New York. York. Yeah. It's it's so stupid. Yeah. In fact, the first time I saw the Boston, I was in Boston, and I Googled Boston open mics, and the first one that came up was your open mic night, the the Monday night open mic night. Was it was on it the my website? website? No, no, no. It was the Boston because I had a, I had like a my own website no for for booking people on it and stuff wow. at one point. But. but I looked at the lineup and I was like, these are all the greatest comedians working. This can't be. <laughs> This can't be in Somerville. And then, then you did a crashing episode about that. <laughs> exactly. Where, like, they put the, the big names on the new talent. That's right. Did, you didn't bark or anything, did you? Did oh, you, yeah. You did? Of course. Get out. Yes, I a ton. It. Not on that corner, West 3rd McDougal. Um, I, yes, for sure. I barked in for the Boston. And You're going to be part of my tour now. I'm always like, Sarah Silverman barked here. Dimitri Martin barked here. I, Ed Helms barked of there. Of course. And I, I barked all over Manhattan. Uh, wow. In... Um, Times Square up in the the New York Comedy Club is that still there on the Upper West Side? Yeah, and then uh, the Underground Comedy Club, which yep. was at a bar on the 110th, I think. Yeah, I barked for that. I barked for that. I, that I that's lonely. It's too high up. There's it's not enough foot traffic. way up there. Yeah, not enough foot traffic. Um, at least yeah. in the village, there were enough people that it passed the time. Did you ever have but, anything crazy happen? Sarah Silverman got punched in the face. No, I, I don't think it, nothing like that. Other than just a. The general craziness. Well, just that thing where you just have to muster so much. Like barking is so unnatural to me. I'm not a. I'm yeah. not like a. Hey, a really gre- gregarious. What are you doing later? Extrovert. Yeah. I'm. So to me, it just took everything I had to like make eye contact with strangers and hand them things and yeah. try to be cheerful. Wow. Um, I can't but, believe it. Yeah. Yeah. That was. That would have been. 2000. Yeah, when I got there four, right before it closed. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so wild. Yeah, but but I had th- – those were wonderful years. I, I know. really look back with – I mean, a lot of struggle, a lot of, like, insecurity, but also so much hope and aspiration. And, and And like I said, after a, a long time or after a year or two on The Daily Show, the, I started to think, oh, I have a – 
I have a lot to lose. Mm. But at that point, yeah. before only, you're before it's you can only go up. Yeah. I mean, you really can't. The, the, so what Dimitri Martin said: anonymity is power. He's like, not only can you only go up, you can go up in lots of different ways. Sure. You can pick your route. Sure. He's like, I'm but, a one-liner guy. You, you can be whatever you want. Yeah. Um, only, only up. It's interesting. It's so fun. I can't believe you know that place. That's so fun. So many hours in that place. Right? Really, that was like my teeth cutting. Sitting in the back, the back booth? Yeah. We, I, I, had, I had amazing stories there. Like, uh, I, Chappelle came in all the time. Yeah. Um, George Carlin came in to watch a he couple did? of times. Yeah, he never went up, but he would. He came in a couple of times, to just sit in the back and watch. Wow! And this was on a Monday night, like a the new talent showcase. Get out! And I remember just being like, like he shows up, and I, and, and I immediately was like, uh, uh, Mr. Carlin, right this way, sir. <laughs> I took no him to way. You took him to sort of him yeah, of course. Oh, he was a god, of course. Yeah. Oh, it's like it, I mean. He's comedy Jesus yeah. in a way, like He's comedy Rufus. Yeah, to Bill and Ted's reference. Sure, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. I'm so I'm so thrilled that you that you see it. Well, if we build, I have a video of Sarah Silverman walking in, and then I, I've done that with a couple people that know it, and I would always film them walking in, and they really do look kind of like they saw a ghost. Yeah, but like maybe a Casper friendly ghost, but like a very conflicting feeling. A lot of bombs. And a lot of good nights as well. Well, I loved it. Do you feel satisfied with this episode? <laughs> you feel it, good? It's been torture. <laughs> uh, I just want to make sure but, there isn't something you wanted to get to that you didn't. Um, that's yeah. I just was real. I really wanted to, to hear. About I can't that believe Boston you've seen Comedy the show. Club. That's so cool. I oh, really I love your show. That. By the way, yeah, the bury the you. lead. The show is fantastic. I'm so happy yeah. to hear that. Of course, season two is uh, we get into the Boston and Pete, uh, my character branches out into like the alt scene and 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 crazy UCB in Chelsea is going away and we shot in UCB. They're just moving, but that. Underground, right. all the Del Close marathons. Yeah, I used to. Host well, that was the there. second UCB. It was. Yeah, there was a UCB before that on twenty second. Uh, no, really. Yeah, there was a. Li- it was a little. It used to be a little burlesque theater. Um, the strange relationship and, between comedy and burlesque. Continues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, it, yeah, it was a really weird little kind of shoebox uh, space. In, no, in, I didn't know that. On uh, God, what was it, Seventh Avenue and Twenty Second so Street? Not I too think? far. Oh yeah, just a few blocks from yeah. where it is now. Now it's going to Hell's Kitchen. I don't care for that. What yeah. am I, Daredevil? Ah, well. <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be great. I'm sure it'll be great. But there's something about that space, and we shot there, and now I won't be there anymore. So it'll be one of the records That's of great. that time. That's great. And I'm just so happy that we captured it. Did uh, Did you ever hang out at McManus? McManus. Oh, yeah, the the bar up the road. Yeah, so there was a bar that that was very much like the UCB Cheers. Yeah. Uh, And we would all go there after shows, and it was always – and if if you had like – if you were in on a late-night sketch or something, like everyone would gather around the TVs at McManus and and watch and high-five. But it was just like the go-to every night of the week. You could count on 30 or 40 comedians just being in there. And – and I was watching I, – I still watch Seinfeld religiously because it's on uh, TBS, what, TBS at, yeah. t- at 10 and 10.30 right yeah. when I'm going to bed. Yeah. So um, there was an episode where <laughs> there was an exterior shot of McManus uh, on a it, – uh, it's a Seinfeld date. He's going on a date 
And it's just one of those quick establishing shots, and it's McManus. No. And then they, they cut inside, and he's on the date. It's nothing like McManus. <laughs> but, uh, but I took a picture of it, and I, I sent it to a bunch of my UCV buddies, and I was like, Seinfeld used to go to McManus. Ah, uh, that's amazing. <laughs> Got to him so in LA funny. on a set. Yeah, totally. But still, super fun. Yeah, the exterior was real. It was the old, and that, by the way, that bar is gone too. So, it is? Yeah. Bummer. I was actually, as you were saying that, I was like, oh, we should have shot in McManus, of course. It was cops, firefighters, and comedians. I love it. It was a weird, weird mix. But, uh, yeah. We were strawberry. Let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> <laughs> the chocolate vanilla was the other guys. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, that was an incredible institution for a long time. Yeah. I, it's, I, that's what crashing is about. The fondness that you feel for those years. And I'm going to say, even while you're going through it. That's why when you said darting around doing voiceover auditions, oh, yeah. I was like, fucking A. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not, not me every too. day. But, no, me but too. most and, of the time I was like, I'm signing in yes. for an audition in Manhattan. Like even just being in Manhattan yes. was something to me. Big Still is. deal. For sure. Still is. Yeah. And I, I sometimes if I had an hour or two to kill between auditions, I would post up at the uh, the New York Public Library at, at Bryant Park. Yes. Um which is so beautiful in the giant reading room up there and just be like, I think I'm going to read some Thoreau. Yes. Or, you know, and just get like all head and like yes. listen, listen to some some smashing pumpkins on my Soaking walk. Soaking it up. Yeah, and Soaking get, it get up. Re- get real angsty and like yes. – uh, Yeah, those are I remember just... a friend of mine who moved to Texas being like, I would drive around listening to Radiohead pretending I was in Brooklyn. <laughs> And I was like, I get it. Because even when you're in Brooklyn, you're like, let's be in Brooklyn. Yeah. Let's get an artisanal yeah, coffee. Totally. Let's go to the library. <laughs> like that post office that's on like 10th Avenue or something. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, yeah. Like it just mm-hmm. – it's, it's, it's electric. I love it. So fun. Good stuff. That's what the show's about. That's why you like it. I hope. This has been a joy. I'm so happy. Yeah. Me, for me, too. Thanks for having me. We end with the guest saying, watch, uh, I'm going to say, watch Fake News December 13th. But the guest says, keep it crispy. It's just what we're talking about. Keeping it crispy is going to the library in New York and listening to Smashing Pumpkins. So would you say, keep it crispy? Yeah, but uh, before I say that, yeah. I'm also going to say, so watch the Fake News with Ted Nelms on December 13th on Comedy Central. Stop saying Ted Nelms. It's giving me the pickles. But also watch uh, my movie coming out what? De- December 22nd. Dude. Father Figures. Uh, it's Owen Wilson and me with Glenn Close and Terry Bradshaw Get and out. J.K. Simmons and uh, and so many other amazing actors. Amazing. And, yeah, it's great. It's Two things in a month fun. is like one of those great show it's business a, feelings. It's a good thing. And they're both – I'm super proud and excited about both, which is also not always the case. Yes. And, the uh, other weird show business yeah, feeling. But right. this is a good one. Um, so with all that, all that out – uh, out, in, out in the open, uh, let's keep it crispy. <laughs> you made it active. <laughs> Let us keep Let it crispy. Let us keep it crispy. Thank you, Eddie. So Thanks. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 